Should I take roll call? Uh, yes, please. Well, now I don't see Vice Mayor Shipley. She just came in. Okay. Commissioner Walton. Commissioner Bully. Here. Vice Mayor Shipley. Here. Mayor Finkeldie here. We are back from executive session and we have nothing to report. And we are going to recess until 545 when we'll start our regular meeting. I have um, a few words from um, Porter O'Neill about the operation of this meeting. Thank you, Thank you Mayor. Mayor. Good, Good evening, everyone. I just have a few housekeeping items for this Zoom meeting tonight. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mayor Finkeldye. Mayor Finkeldye, um, I'll go ahead and take roll call. I understand Commissioner Ananda is having some internet trouble and will be on in a minute, but we'll add her when she gets here. But for the moment, Vice Mayor Shipley? Here. Commissioner Lawson? Here. Commissioner Bully? Here. Mayor Finkeldye, here. And now we'll have a few words from our city clerk, Sherry Riedemann, about the public um, participation part of the meeting. <clears throat> um, thank you, Mayor. Uh, just a few procedural reminders. Commissioners and staff, please state your name and title each time you speak. Mayor, when a motion is made, please call on commissioners individually to provide their vote and announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. When public comment is sought on an item, the mayor will first call on those participating in person. Individuals wishing to provide public comment should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Participants are required to wear a mask, but may remove their mask while making remarks at the podium. Please state your name before speaking and your comments will be limited to three minutes. The mayor will then call on those participating virtually. Individuals providing public comment via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. Again, comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Mayor. Mayor Fingalai, 
Thank you, Sherry. Uh, the first item on the agenda is to approve the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Does any commission wish to um, change the agenda, or if not, look for a motion to approve? Commissioner Larson moved to approve the agenda. Commissioner Bowley, second. Mayor Finkeldy, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Commissioner Bowley. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Commissioner Bowley? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Mayor Finkeldy, aye, passes four to zero. And now it takes us to the consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There'll be no separate discussion on those items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. To begin with, do any commissioners have an item they'd like to be have pulled off the consent agenda? Seeing none, if any member of the public would like to have an item pulled off the consent agenda, first, those present in City Hall, um, does anyone have an item to be pulled off the consent agenda? Here's an item on the consent agenda that you would like pulled off. No, I okay. want another public comment. Okay, that'll be next. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, not related to a consent agenda item. Uh, not here in the commission room, Mayor. Mayor Finkelai, thank you, Sherry. And if any member of the public on Zoom would like to pull an item off the consent agenda, um, please raise your hand using the raise your hand function and Sherry will call upon you. Scroll because I thought someone had indicated on this that they wanted to talk about a consent item. Uh, this is Sherry Redeman, City Clerk. Um, if there's anyone who would like to comment on any item that's on the consent agenda, uh, please turn on your video or use the raise your hand feature to indicate you want to pull that an item. There are no items to pull, Mayor. <clears throat> Mayor Finkeldy. Um, thank you for that. If not, I'd look for a motion to approve the consent agenda. Mr. Larson, I move to approve the consent agenda. Commissioner Bollard, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Commissioner Bully. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Mayor Finkelai, aye. Passes four to zero. That brings us to public comment. The public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Individuals to address all comments and questions to the commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. So to begin with, if any person at City Hall would have general public comment, please, uh, Come forward and share a call upon you. You'll have three minutes. Your Honor, I'm Clifford Hardy. I live at 200 North 8th Street. For the over a year now, I have talked to the police. I may as well talk to these walls because I, on 8th Street, 
We've got people going to the boat ramp to run, to ride their bikes, go down uh, to uh, boating and canoeing. And they fly down that street between Elm and Walnut Street. We've got four signs. It says no parking on the west side, four signs parked on the east side, but we only got one sign about 20 to 30 feet off of Locust Street that says no uh, speed limit. And when I cannot get the cops, I have talked to them for over a year, a dozen, and I might as well talk to the wall because they said, well, we'll, we'll write and make a note on them. And they fly up and down that street, especially with this good weather. They want to go down that way. And they, and the city is so dumb, they have put a speed limit sign in the county on the east, on the west side of Locus, or Nice Street is a city. On the west side is the county. They've stuck a sign over there. They don't need that there. We've got speed bumps, and they have also, we've got truck, city trucks running all over hell, and they have put a speed limit on private property. I'm, and and they said, well, we'll, we'll you know, when I get to the cops, they'll say, well, we will make a report of that. And that might, might as well just talk to that damn desk because they ain't going to make no report about it. And they fly up and down that street on the weekends because of those four types of people. And the only time that we see a cop over there, they say, well, we come to North Lawrence. Yeah, they come over there to to the depot and do their reports or they go to field or they go out there and watching the other people but they won't come down Ninth Street if 8th Street if they would turn around but we have no police deal I have no respect for the city of Lawrence police they need to come over there and start running if they they might not catch anybody on the weekend but if they'd be over there maybe they'd but the John Q public has learned there's no cops over there so we just can speed 35 to 40 miles an hour down that street and they don't give a darn one of these days we've got habitat kids one of them's going to get hit or killed then you will probably make wake up but and you City commissioners have learned. Time. Your, my time's up. Okay. But you said it. I want to say this one. You said the commissioners have learned. You can get something for nothing. You give the cops more money, and they do less. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Is there any other general public comment? Uh, yes, my name is Kenneth Prost, oh, and I'm sorry. The we're, no, we're we're oh, we're I'm not sorry. we're not done with in-person public comment. Go right ahead. Hi, my name is Michelle Walton, and I live in Brookwood Mobile Home Park. Um, part of the tenants, we are trying to get a tenant union going, working with renters together, and the attorney Sam Natale. Um, just want to say today they are treating us like we're an HOA, selling us what we can have in our trailers, what we can have in our yard, how we can decorate the skirting we have to have, and so forth. And we're not an HOA. I just don't think it's fair that they can tell us what we can do and what we can have. 
we have a whole list of demands. Some other people are going to speak on that today. Um, um, they're not renewing some Section 8 housing, and those people are being made to move because they're not redoing that. They are, we just got the rent straightened out, we hope. Um, new management has come in and they are just being very nasty to people, mistreating, degrading, disrespectful. Um, they say that they're open, but when we go up there, the doors are locked. They will not answer their phones. They will not answer the door. And then, um, you know, just a big, a huge rent dispute. I'm going to let somebody else go. I'm Mr. Graber. We've also had sewer problems at that same mobile home park. We've had pipes break. They left them go for almost two months running. The pump systems are down, not working properly. And when they do over the pump station overflows, then it goes out into the creeks. It ran almost two months down the street, went into our city water sewage, the water line, um, the drains, and the pipe broken underneath the ground's been that way for a while. They knew about it. And our water system that we have, we don't know what we're drinking. Um, the EPA's been out. The city of Lawrence had came out to put signs up, being that it's contaminated with sewage going into our, our water drains. We would like to know what happened to that situation and if the city has done anything about it. Thank you. Is there anyone else who'd like to provide And just so everyone is aware, the commission is on Zoom and that camera is, that's the correct camera, right? The camera up on top yeah. of the television, so right I'll, here. Okay. Just so you know, I'll be watching the clock, but that way you can speak directly to them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ready? Am I okay now? Yeah, go right okay. ahead. Good evening, my name is John Olson. I'm a resident at the Brookwood Mobile Home Park over off 19th Street here in Lawrence. Uh, I've been there 16, going on 17 years. This is our second, if not third, change in management ownership in the last three years. Uh, different companies buy from another company and then another company buys from another company and the rules and regulations, they seem to change quite at just the spur of the moment. And usually we don't learn about them until we get a haphazard scotch tape note on our gate or door or whatever of what they're telling us we need to do and get done by such and such time or face eviction. Uh, some of the requests that are being asked of us as uh, members of the park are rather trivial. Uh, weeds in the cracks in the street that are in front of our house uh, need to be poisoned or killed. 
can't have a basketball goal for the kids. Can't have a small swimming pool in your own yard for uh, the kids to play in. Bicycle riding in the court and skateboarding and all that's kind of a no-no. Just smaller issues, really. But uh, the main thing about that is that the big issues, like the sewer problems and the water problems and the no tree, storm no storm shelter unless it's in a real crowded basement up at the uh, office building, which you can't ever get into anyway because no one's there and no one answers the phone. They're there, but they won't answer the phone. So anyway, we don't even know what's going on. We have a new management uh, manager or managers at this particular time. I have no idea other than a lady named Michaela, who this is funny. Uh, on October the 4th, I got a tape measure, uh, tape uh, letter on my door on October the 4th and signed by her. If I didn't pay my rent within three days, they were going to evict me. Well, two and a half months ago, they, uh, court made it where nobody can go up and pay by hand or mail. You either have to do it on their portal or have an automatic bank draft taken out of your account. I chose the latter. I checked with my bank. They don't take my rent payment out until October the 7th. They don't even know what the heck they're doing. And they're on the 4th, they're wanting to evict me if I don't pay my rent. They hadn't even bothered to even take it out yet, yet they're ready to evict me. That's what I mean by poor management along things that are really important. They don't know. Other people have gotten the same kind of uh, notations about different things such as that. And, Fine. you know. Well, Anyway, thank you for your time. Um, I appreciate you listening to some of our complaints. Have a good evening. I'm Mr. McNair. I also live in Brookwood home, mobile home community. And since this new management company yes acquired the park um <clears throat> we have had multiple people um evicted for toy kids toys in their yard and i'm up in the corner we live in there's probably eight households that have kids under the age of seven We've got one, our neighbors have two, people across the street have two kids. They're all over. And we're, we're not allowed to have our kids' toys in our front yard, neatly up against our deck or on our decks. And it, it's just hard. If they wanna make it a 55 and older community, they just need to say so and let us know and buy our homes and let us move on if that's what they're gonna force us to do. And they won't buy them because they don't want them. They, they, they would rather bring in all these new, crappily built homes that are falling apart the day that they even bring them in the park. They don't set them properly right away. They let them sit there for months on end. I've got photos on my phone if you, would want to see them of them just sitting. They sat them in the street with no chalks on a hill. 
for weeks on end before they set them. This is some of the alarming concerns I have. And along with the sewer issues, if I myself as an HVAC business owner was to do something against with the EPA, everybody would know right away that I got in trouble with the EPA. I feel that we should know what is in those reports with what we're drinking and what's in our yards. I would like to know what the city has in reports. I'm one of them that did call the city. They were out within 20 minutes of my phone call. All the signs have been removed and nothing's ever been said. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to provide comment on this item who has not already spoken or any general public comment? Hi, uh, my name is Jonathan Oliva. Um, I'm with Renters Together. Um, you know, talking to a lot of the tenants and going around, um, it's just it's just terrible what they're going through. You know, uh, they talk about how they're having to uh, install. You know, they're they're not allowed to have in window uh, AC units, and a lot of them they can't afford to switch over to uh, you know central air conditioning. Um, and you know a lot of them are just effectively getting priced out because i mean this is some of the most affordable housing in town but where else are they going to go and this feels like this uh this rental company is really by pricing these these people out they you know they're contributing to the homelessness that's uh really gone up in the city and that's just terrible uh thank you Um, hi, my name's Kai, and I'm also here to comment on what's going on with the housing issues. So, um, cool, cool, okay, okay, like that, okay. Um, so as I'm sure everyone has been talking about, um, what's going on at Brookwood and um, pretty much every single trailer park in town is that these out-of-state developers are coming in and upping the rents hundreds and thousands of dollars, right? Um, this one of the last affordable options, not only one of the last affordable options, but one of the last options that takes housing vouchers and people with felon records and um, all these different types of like credit score problems this is their only place to live and yet people not from our community are coming into this community and taking these options away along with that as i heard johnny saying at the till in there is that that's going to um, lead these people to homelessness but the city does not have a plan set on what they're going to do this winter every winter it gets cold and the city doesn't have a plan set on what they're going to do about that the last update i heard is that you guys are expecting churches to open and welcome people in but you have no plan to staff that have no kind of volunteers to ensure that will happen and that's a lot to ask on people um along with like trailer park issues you know like housing prices are on the rise in general and once again out-of-state developers are coming in and making these luxury apartments making student housing that they think that students will be able to afford that we can't 
right? I know a lot of people, or a couple of you at least, are running for a re-election and are um, priding yourselves on being housing champs, but um, my rent has done nothing to go up in the four years I've lived in Lawrence, and um, I don't really see where any of this housing trust fund money is actually playing out in our community. I've not seen one single promise of long-term affordability and housing, and all these are huge problems um, that are really only going to change if you guys step, take a step back and start listening to the tenants in this town and hear what we have to say and hear the issues that we are facing. Um, and so going forward, appreciate if you look into that, especially as we are talking about, you know, the Green New Deal and all the city stuff that's happening around there, um, all those issues greatly tie into what tenants experience and workers in general. So yeah, thank you. Is there any other general public comment? Uh, that's all the public comment here in the room, Mayor. Okay, cool. I thank you. And is there public comment online? I know at least one that come up, but if you'd like to make public comment and you're online, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature or turn your camera on and um, Sherry will call upon you. Uh, Kenneth Prost. Uh, yes, my name is Kenneth Prost. I'm the director of the Lawrence Child Development Center. And uh, I wanted to speak about my easement that the city commission and the uh, uh, Lawrence uh, planning department is wanting to uh, take away from us. Um, we believe that this is essentially a theft of our property. And if I could share my screen for a moment, I can show you the documentation for this. Um, as well as a recommendation from the city planning department to create our easement to assure that this, this kind of thing never happens. So, um, I think we should, yeah. So this is the recommendation from planning staff, uh, recommends approval for the UPR for this building a cross-access agreement to be executed between the property owners of lot student to assure retention and maintenance of the shared drive. I also asked uh, Becky Pepper if in Lawrence, Kansas, we are allowed to park in driveways. Um, she has yet to respond to that answer, but I already know it. Um, what we have is our cross-access agreement right here from 1983, and it clearly lists that this approach and driveway is ours. This is, and, and it continues forever. We spoke with uh, city surveyors and they also said that this is on our deed. We ask that you not take this away from us. This is ours, it belongs to us. And unfortunately it also means denial of a site plan that would steal this land from us, steal our rights from us. We asked, I asked the council, Please don't steal from your citizen, from your residents and your citizens, your voters, to give it to an out-of-state development company. That's ridiculous. Plus, I think it's illegal, but I'm not sure. But I thank you for your time. Melinda Lavon. Hi, can you hear me? Um, my name is Melinda. I live at 539 Ohio, and I 
after hearing everyone speak tonight um, on the issues that all of us are having and um, when it comes to housing and property issues, um, I think you can see there's a lot of frustration in the community. Um, I wanted to um, just uh, keep in everyone's mind that um, it's not acceptable for the city to expect all of us to work for free to staff multiple um, churches at night just so that our neighbors have a safe, warm place to sleep and don't die out in the winter weather. Um, relying on a purely volunteer force is not acceptable. And I really hope that the sales tax for the city keeps looking better. I know it looked pretty bad earlier compared to how well the county did, you know, but um, it looks like the city's is going better. Um, and I really hope that the commission um, starts to direct some resources quickly to get some of some things in place for the winter and get it funded. Um, people's lives are at risk. This is our responsibility. Thank you. Maddie Bell. Hi, I'm uh, Maddie Bell. So I, uh, I like to remind the city commission, I've done this before, that you committed to the five principles of the Green New Deal in February of this year. These principles include ensuring prosperity, prosperity and economic security for all people, investing in infrastructure, homelessness, housing. These are parts of the Green New Deal. And it's really frustrating that you're continuing to not address them. Like, I don't know why you're not aware that this stuff is going on in our community. If you're committed to ending homelessness, you should be committed to like renters rights, keeping people in the housing that they're in and making it affordable. Um, another part of the Green New Deal is promoting justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future and repairing historic oppression like allowing outside developers to come in and honestly, excuse my language, but pull this bullshit is also unacceptable. Um, and as Melinda brought up, relying on a volunteer force to ensure the safety of our homeless uh, population in Lawrence is also unacceptable. And like, it's, it's October, we're about to start hitting really cold weather and people's lives and well-being are going to be in danger. So I know this is a really aggressive like attitude I'm bringing, but it's like it's past time to do something. There's no other general public comment, Mayor. Sorry, Mayor Finkelguy. Um, Thank you for all that public comment. Um, you know, we generally don't take action on those items, but we've heard you and we will consider um, some of those items going forward. Any other comments from commissioners? Mayor, yeah. Mayor Shipley. Um, I, in spite of uh, articles in the paper and reports um, from staff, on what the city and county um, are doing. It's it's obvious to me that um, those 
uh, those meetings uh, between those partners, that information isn't getting to the public. Um, so regarding what is or isn't supposed to happen with our winter shelter situation, can we um, indicate to the public um, either with a press release or pointing out to our previous staff reports <laughs> why uh, we were planning to do what we were planning to do this year? Mayor Finkel, I, I mean, I, I certainly think we can. I, I assume it'll be also be on an agenda here early in November as we continue to put this um, plan together, so yes. Okay, that takes us to regular agenda item number one, which is to consider an appeal of the Planning Commission decision to deny a variance from the sidewalk requirements located at 700 Lincoln Street. Looks like Kyle has this one. Indeed I do, thank you, good evening. Um, Kyle Kobe with Planning, I think I'll turn it over to, um, I'm looking to check and see if he's here. I believe Randy Larkin might be leading us off. Yep, there he is. Yes, good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. And uh, before you tonight is an appeal from the Planning Commission's denial of an application for a variance seeking to be excused from the requirement of providing sidewalks on a local street in conjunction with the minor subdivision at 700 Lincoln Street. The Planning Commission, as is authorized by the subdivision regulations of the city code, heard the application for a variance and voted to deny that application. The applicant has in timely fashion under section 20-18813F3 of the city code appealed that denial to the governing body. Now, before we get to the substance of the application and the appeal, it would first be beneficial to give an overview of the nature of the appeal and your duty tonight regarding this variance request. On appeal, your review of a decision regarding an application for variance is plenary, unlimited, and de novo. That means that you are not bound by the record before the Planning Commission, nor are you required to give deference to the Planning Commission's decision. In other words, you step into the shoes of the Planning Commission and act on the present application for a variance as if you were the Planning Commission and the application was filed with you in the first instance. It must also be noted that this appeal is a quasi-judicial hearing. That means that you will review the evidence, the record, hear evidence from interested parties, decide what evidence is credible, and from the credible evidence make findings of fact. You'll then apply the law to those findings to reach your decision. Now, unlike your decision on the site plan approval last week, with respect to present application for a variance, you have limited discretion. If application for a variance does not meet the criterion for a variance, then you have no discretion to grant the variance. However, if the application for a variance does meet the criteria for granting a variance, then you have the discretion, depending on the circumstances and the facts presented to you, either to grant or to deny the application for a variance. Regardless, it will be incumbent upon you to state your, your reasons for granting or denying the application for a variance. After you have reached the decision, it may be appropriate to direct staff to prepare findings of fact and conclusions of law. Um, we, I will kind of come back to you later to determine whether or not that will be necessary in this case. 
Finally, because this is a quasi-judicial hearing, due process rights attach. As such, it is necessary to disclose any ex parte communications that you may have had. As you are aware, ex parte communications are communications with any person other than city staff or other commissioners that have occurred outside the confines of this hearing. It will be necessary to disclose with whom you had the communication, the approximate date of the communication, and the substance of your communication. If the substance of that communication is already included in the record in the form of a letter, email, or other communication, then it is permissible simply to state the substance of the communication is included in the record. At this point in time, I would ask that you make ex parte disclosures. Mayor Finkel die. Maybe I'll just call on folks um, so we have an orderly fashion. You know, Vice Mayor Shipley? Oh, Randy, if I could list all the people I've talked about sidewalks with, we'd be here all night. But pertaining specifically to this, um, I think I did hear a very little bit from the president of the North Lawrence Improvement Association. Um, a I mean, a very little bit. I, I've watched all the videos from planning, but that but that's all I've got. Again, that's enough. Commissioner Nanda? Fernanda, I have none. Commissioner Lawson? Yeah, I spoke with um, Jim Carpenter, who's on the planning commission today, um, this afternoon, and it, it's just in regards to some of the, the substance of the planning commission meeting. I had some questions about it after I watched the video. Commissioner Bowley. Um, I encountered Joy this afternoon and she said she was going to be on the agenda tonight. Uh, and uh, I uh, I got a message from, from uh, Ted Boyle in North Lawrence on my phone. Mayor Finkel, I, I also got a message from Ted Boyle earlier this afternoon um, stating North Lawrence Improvement Association's desire that this variance not be granted, but then really giving you the facts or information. It's Commissioner Boyle, that's kind of what I heard from him too. Commissioner Larson, I wanted to add to that. I did get that same message from Ted. I forgot to add that. Very good, thank you. Um, with that, I'll turn it over to uh, Kyle Kobe, the planning uh, department member who is gonna handle this, the substantive aspect or the substantive aspects of this uh, decision. And with that, I stand for any questions. Thank you very much, Randy. Kyle Kobe with planning again. Um, give me just a second while I get my screen set up here. Hopefully everybody can see that. May I think loud we can? Thank you very much. Um, having just a little bit of trouble on my end. Sorry, give me just a second. Okay, so uh, as Randy already outlined, um, this is an appeal of a planning commission decision to deny a variance request related to sidewalk installation at 700 Lincoln Street. This slide shows the subject property. Um, it's highlighted in blue here. It's located directly across the street from Lyons Park along Lincoln Street. And this second image um, uh, just shows the same area, but I just wanna give some context in terms of the zoning. Um, I know that uh, these residential units up here, uh, you can't see the zoning district. Those are zoned RS7, single dwelling residential, and the, the park is zoned OS, uh, open space. Uh, 
So just to provide a little bit of broader context um, that this project's taking place in, um, the applicant's proposing, proposing development on this property for construction sales and services use. Site plan application has been received as well. The item before you tonight is associated with a minor subdivision case, which proposes consolidating the existing nine lots into three lots. So the subdivision regulations require sidewalks on both sides of all streets. I have uh, here on your screen in front of you, the standard that the applicant is requesting a variance from. So variance from subdivision variances from subdivision regulation standards are made to the planning commission um, as shown on the screen here. Um, this is also the section that contains the criteria uh, for evaluating variances of this type. And this next slide just sort of highlights um, those criteria. Um, per section 20-813G2, to grant a variance, all of the criteria must be met. I'll go over them a little bit more uh, in a little bit more detail here in a bit. Um, and more information is available in the materials included in your agenda packet as well. Um, so this item has been through the Planning Commission twice. Um, the first time on July 28th, Planning Commission voted to defer the item to provide more time for discussion with the city engineer regarding an agreement not to protest. The city engineer having declined to grant the agreement not to protest, the item was brought back for additional discussion with the Planning Commission. At the conclusion of those discussions, the Planning Commission ultimately voted to deny the variance request in a five to four vote. Following the Planning Commission decision, applicant filed an appeal of that decision. That letter is included in your packet, which is why this item is before you tonight. Uh, per section 20-813F3, appeals of Planning Commission decisions related to subdivision regulation standards are made to the City Commission. And I know this is sort of reiterating some of what Randy's already covered. Um, but uh, so the city commission's powers are the same as those of the planning commission. Um, and I've got up on your screen right here, that's where um, those powers come from. Um, right here, you can see grant or deny variances to the design standards. So getting into the criteria, the first criteria is strict application of these regulations will create an unnecessary hardship upon the subdivider. While there are contextual issues on the property pertaining to regulatory floodplain and open and an open ditch along Lincoln Street frontage, um, which would require some kind of engineered solution, staff is of the opinion that the requirement to install sidewalk at this location does not constitute an unnecessary hardship. The second criteria, criteria is the proposed variance is in harmony with the intended purpose of these regulations. As outlined in the reports for this item, the purpose of these standards is to provide harmonious and orderly development, which includes in part continuity of the transportation network. Staffs of the opinion that granting a variance from the requirement to install sidewalks is opposed to the purpose and intent of the regulations, which is to bring properties into compliance with city standards as development occurs. Criteria three is the public health, safety and welfare will be protected. While there are not sidewalks uh, to the east and west of the subject property that this development would immediately connect into, as other properties develop or redevelop, additional connections will be established and the pedestrian infrastructure in, the area, in this area and on the street will grow together. Granting a variance for sidewalk installation at this location would create a permanent gap in the network. So just in conclusion, staff has recommends denial of the variance request to remove the requirement to provide sidewalk for minor subdivision MS21-00194.
that concludes um, my portion of the presentation. Um, I know that we have Dave Cronin with us here tonight um, who might be available to answer questions as well. I'm not sure if he has any remarks at this time. Uh, otherwise, that concludes staff presentation. Mayor Finkeldy, Dave, did you have any, anything you wanted to say before questions? Dave Cronin, City Engineer. No, I, I, I don't. I'll wait for any questions and then answer those. Mayor Finkelai, thank you. Um, before we go to the applicant, do any of the commissioners have questions of staff? Commissioner Larson, um, yeah, I had a question of Kyle. So the Planning Commission had two meetings on this. The first one, uh, they it, the vote was done, it was four to four, which would have meant the, the action failed. But then for some reason they turned around and decided to defer it. Can they, how does that work? It seems to be once you vote, you vote. So, so how do we, how do we justify them being able to do a second vote like that? Kyle Kelby with planning, I will defer to Randy who looks like he's ready to answer that question. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. They actually had a motion to reconsider and they reconsidered it to send it back to the engineer to look at it again and then bring it back to them for a final vote. And then that's how it ended up being five to four, but they actually did reconsider it. I don't think they used the term reconsideration. But that's basically what they did. Mayor Finkley, Vice Mayor Shipley, we can't hear you there. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Vice Mayor Shipley. Um, to uh, uh, Commissioner Larson's point, um, the crux of their um, tie and, and I think still the discussion in their second meeting appeared to be um, the precedence of uh, agreements not to protest. Um, so I, I don't, you, it wasn't mentioned by staff in this um, report, but uh, frequently of late um, sidewalks that connect to nothing in the moment uh, might need to be um, built later. And so an agreement not to protest to build um, have been um, agreed to in the past and for whatever reason was not on the table in this situation. And it seemed like that was part of the reason why they had a, a tie and a near tie the second time. So I wonder if staff or maybe Dave Cronin would like to talk about that. Sure, this is Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, we have um, issued agreements not to protest on minor subdivisions for uh, smaller residential um, projects uh, and lot splits, particular, particularly where we um, you know, have long segments of uh, uh, blocks with no sidewalk and it's say it's a lot or two um, on a long stretch um, and in those situations I think it's uh, you know we use reason and judgment and um, you know issue or agree to uh, allow that agreement not to protest so which essentially means that in the future if there were to be a benefit district petition those adjacent property owners um, could not protest being included in a benefit district to put in uh, improvements. In this case, it would be uh, sidewalk improvements. Um, for the minor subdivision that we're uh, discussing tonight, 
Um, there, um, you know, in my opinion, it was a it was a larger project. It was about um, half of that uh, block there, the 700 block of Lincoln Street. Um, you know, it as uh, Kyle mentioned, there's no sidewalk connectivity directly to the east or west of the uh, of these lots. Um, we do have sidewalk on the south side of Lincoln Street, uh, west of 7th Street, from 4th to 7th Street. So there's certainly some future connectivity there. Um, and in addition, uh, 7th Street is um, a safe route to school, as is Lincoln Street west of 7th. So um, it does provide, you know, in the future, if there's connectivity, if the sidewalk is constructed, there will be a, a short gap in between it and 7th Street that um, could be filled in in the future to provide uh, more connectivity. So that's the, I guess, when we were looking at it in the context of the project, that was uh, my opinion. And I, w I wasn't comfortable with, with it on this size of a project. And uh, I think it would have kind of set a precedent on other projects. Um, so the, the only other thing that I would mention is uh, on, um, benefit districts for sidewalks or agreements not to protest. We we have issued a bunch of those over time on smaller projects. We uh, haven't ever gone back and done benefit districts for sidewalk projects. So not to say that we couldn't at some point in the future, there are certainly challenges to uh, issuing uh, uh, benefit districts or you know going through those discussions. Um, but um, so in my, you know, when I was reviewing it, in my opinion, if if a sidewalk were to go in now was the time it should go in. And if and if we didn't feel that uh, a sidewalk should be there, now would be the time to not put it in. Thanks. Mayor Finkel, I guess as a follow up, what's the what's your authority to do that? I mean, do you are you are you? When you when you do an agreement not to protest in these other cases, is that a variance, or is there some other authority you have under the code that the planning commission and the city commission don't have in this in a sidewalk situation? Um, the agreement not to protest. This is Dave Cronin, city engineer. Uh, the agreement not to protest is not a variance by the definition of variance. And Randy, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and um, so that note goes um, on the on the plat, and that uh, the agreement gets recorded. Um, and um, so, you know, generally we, um, I guess, where I come into this is public improvements. When public improvements are required, when we're when the city engineer, I'd say, uh, has uh, determined they are required, um, th those get. Um, completed and are installed with uh, approval of the of the subdivision. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. I want to add to what Dave said. He's absolutely correct. Under the subdivision regulations, it does permit a party to, in the discretion of the city engineer, determine whether or not an agreement not to protest can be entered in lieu of complying with sidewalks or some other type of requirement that's under the subdivision regulations. And 
since that was not granted in this situation by the city engineer, they then sought a variance, which is another procedure to not have sidewalks. And of course, variance will run with the land and those types of things. So this is kind of a different procedure outside the agreement not to protest, but the uh, city engineer in this, in this instance decided that it was not appropriate to have that in this case. And so they have stopped the variance. And so before the planning commission was just the issue of the variance, and before you is just the issue of the variance. Commissioner Larson, so Dave, um, can you give me an idea of um, what you would consider? What's what's a tipping point for a large project versus a small project? You said that this one was too big in your, in your estimation or in your opinion. Can you give me an idea of where that tipping point is between the two? Sure, Dave Cronin, city engineer. We don't have a, a anything that's defined as a big or small project, uh, but in my opinion, um, half, half of a block is a significant stretch. And so um, that that's kind of when I was looking at uh, the subdivision in my opinion of, of the, whether or not the sidewalk should go in that, um, it was that it was approximately half of this block. Um, and, um, you know, either way, if, if we had, would have done the agreement on to protest, sidewalks still could, could be put in, um, but this, you know, it, it there was a short segment um, to the west that would still be a gap before it connects to the sidewalk um, that's on Lincoln Street west of 7th Street. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's, that's, you know, when looking at it, that's kind of, you know, the way that I went about my uh, opinion of, you know, requiring them with the project. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Um, one more question. S do you, um, do you know what's the largest project or s that you've, um, authorized one of these um, do not protest criterion? Dave Cronus, the engineer, I do not. Okay. Thank you. May I any other questions? Oh, Vice Mayor Shipley? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and ask a hard question here, but you all are ready for it. Um, so the city has a park across the street and it does not have a sidewalk and it appears to span a longer space than what we're asking this particular developer to provide sidewalks for. Does someone, uh, Dave, maybe want to address that? Yeah, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, <clears throat> so we are over time making progress on, on all streets here in Lawrence for sidewalk gap infill and we've been um, you know, since I've been around, um, done a lot of, done a lot of gap projects through different means and methods and funding mechanisms and, um, whether it's, uh, you know, um, standalone CDBG projects or safe routes to school, um, or sometimes, um, you know, when there's other improvements made to city, um, sites or city parks, um, funds are identified to, you know, upgrade sites for sidewalks. So particular to 
Um, the park across the street, um, there currently is no plan to put a sidewalk in there, um, but through our non-motorized uh, prioritization of um, our bike ped funds, um, we have been prioritizing the dollars that the city has uh, for standalone uh, sidewalk projects to uh, both sides of arterial streets, both sides of collector streets, um, then fishing safe routes. And then I think after we complete those, the next step um, would be to get to local streets or um, we may have a more refined um, uh, guidance after we revise our pedestrian plan here in the next year um, and try to look at uh, destinations and where we want to prioritize uh, sidewalk infill on local streets uh, to help to get to destinations. So there's, um, you know, currently no plan uh, across the street, but that doesn't mean that, you know, in the future there couldn't be a sidewalk on uh, the north side of Lincoln as well. So um, I'm not, you know, the person probably to pick or choose what needs to be on the north or the south. Everyone's got different opinions on you know, where they're, you know, you know, what, you know, basically how they use sidewalks and where they're going. Um, so right now in the city code, it's sidewalks on both sides of the street, uh, you know, unless we have a different plan that says it will be one side or the other. And then at some point it would probably, you know, North Lawrence is a unique area too, uh, you know, unique area in the way that it's developed and there's open ditches and certainly understand that. And uh, they're, you know, the typical, street section in North Lawrence is not uh, typical to other parts of town. Um, and so in, in some neighborhoods or areas of town, we may at some point hopefully get to a point where we get more refined and say, well, if we're just going to have sidewalk on one side of the street, this is the side it's going to be on. So then, you know, it, we, we're not here discussing these sorts of um, uh, projects in isolation and we have a better plan, but I don't have that in front of me, so. Mayor Finglau, oh, go ahead, Commissioner Larson. Yeah, Commissioner Larson. So Dave, can you help me to understand what's the difference between this project as far as the do not protest um, criteria and like say a project that we looked at for several years ago on Queens Road where that entire subdivision out there had to sign a do not, did sign a do not protest when they when they bought their properties. How's that different than, because that's a pretty, that's obviously a big, big project out there for Queens Road. So how is that different than this smaller project here? Uh, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, yeah, I think I would say it's different. It's different in the in the size and the as scope of the project. So the Queens Road project, um, you know, all along in the city's plan, um, uh, we've anticipated improving Queens Road to city uh, collector street standards. Um, and on that project, you know, over time property owners have signed agreements not to protest the improvements. Um, we've, you know, you know, in hindsight probably should have initiated that project sooner than we did uh, years ago. So it's, you know, over time as development occurs, there needs to be at some point a decision on 
on, um, you know, when the improvements are required moving forward with the project. Um, and so for benefit districts, it's uh, typically, uh, it requires uh, more than 50% of the, of the properties that will benefit from the improvements uh, to proceed um, with establishing a benefit district. Um, and so for that project, um, there um, for the, the boundaries that were um, determined to be within the benefit of those improvements, we had greater than 50% of those adjacent properties that had uh, agreed not to protest those improvements. Um, on, you know, in relation to this project, um, I, I suppose if you were looking at it uh, block by block for a sidewalk and um, I'm not a legal counsel, but if you were assuming it was just one side of the street that benefited, you would need half of those property owners to uh, agree or sign an agreement not to protest the project to initiate improvements on that block or, or whatever the project may be, maybe several blocks. So um, for in the context of sidewalks and past history, when we've done the agreement, not the protest, um, it's been, um, in my opinion, we kind of recognize that there's no plan to put in a sidewalk anytime soon. But if at some point the city were to have enough money to put sidewalks on both sides of all residential streets in town, um, and uh, as our in our code, we are, are requiring sidewalks on both sides of all streets, that um, the adjacent property owner would then be responsible for participating in those costs. Um, but again, without you know the difference, I guess back to your question, uh, Commissioner Larson, is for Queens Road as uh, those adjacent properties were platted um, and subdivided, we had plans to improve Queens Road at some point on this uh, project on Lincoln Street. At this point, we don't have a, a plan to uh, make other improvements on Lincoln Street, whether it's street widening, storms, sewer, or sidewalks. Um, So, okay. Um, thank you, Dave. Um, so, at the, with the Queens Road, this is Commissioner Larson again. I'm sorry. Um, the developer was allowed to um, not have to pay for that road upgrade um, in return to, for giving up the right to protest, which was passed on to all the property owners. It just seems to me like that's such a huge project out there that I don't understand uh, when you're trying to define large versus small, small, how that could not be considered a large project and the developer get, get by without having to improve that road. Um, whereas this is a situation where it's, yeah, it's 400 feet, half of a block. I understand that, but I don't, I guess I don't understand at all how you can say that's not a bigger project than this is because at some point in time, an engineer, one of our engineers, um, approved the do not protest for that property out there. I see Randy raising his hand, so maybe he can help me out here. 
This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, Commissioner Larson, I think there were a number of developers. And at the time, the city was really wanting to get that area developed. So they did enter into those agreements not to protest, to allow the development of those properties by various developers other than just one developer. So that eventually when the infrastructure was needed, then they would not protest the inclusion in the benefit district for that infrastructure going forward. At the time, it wasn't going to be needed, but we, they wanted development of that area of the city. Um, whether or not that plays into this or not, I don't know. That's more of an engineering question and it's beyond my expertise. But really what's before us, and, and they, I agree, the agreement not to protest is an interesting issue, is, is the variance. So the question is whether or not this property to protest might be another issue, but it's really outside kind of the purview of this discussion. No, I think we're losing you, Randy. Oh, I'm frozen. You froze. If you're back, you're back. Let's see. You, Randy, I think he's frozen again. Uh, okay, Mayor Finkelai. Um, Randy, are you back? You now look to be moving again. <laughs> I don't know. There you go. Can you hear me? Yes. You were saying about that was outside the purview, and then when you kind of locked up. Well, the, you know, the agreement we're, we're discussing the variance issue. Now, at some point in time, whether or not the agreement not to protest should be granted or not, that's, you know, that's an engineering decision for city manager, city commission to look at perhaps. But what we're, what's really before us is whether or not they're entitled to. Is that heard? Am I am I there? Mayor Finkelai, we heard it that time. Thank you, Randy. Okay. Um, okay very good. Yes. But it is an interesting issue, and I appreciate the discussion over it. And I and I the Queens Road is that's all all relevant and it's interesting. Very good. Vice Mayor Shipley, um, Mayor, I appreciate you probably want to get to public comment, but if I can poke a little bit more here. Um, I appreciate what Randy's saying, I really do, but also I think we're being asked to um, determine, um, you know, what the conditions are that might create a hardship. Um, and so I think it's fair to, to um, poke around in some of these other areas. Um, yeah, I, Commissioner Shipley, I agree with you completely. <laughs> so don't, 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 don't think I'm not. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Vice Mayor Shipley. But so, ultimately, the question is the variance. But these things, why I thought Commissioner Larson's question was accurate. Um, I'll carry on here because I, I see um, the uh, Derek Rogers is on here, and I wonder, uh, as an ancillary question, I do remember there being a North Lawrence Park on the slate to have some improvements that I don't recall off the top of my head, which year that would fall um, and which park if it was Lion Park or was a different park. So um, if that might be an improvement. Um, and again, I still think this is relevant. Whether the city abides by its own rules is a relevant question. That's why I'm asking. 
Mayor Finkelai. Derek, are you on? He probably didn't know he was going to get called upon. So. <laughs> Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Can you restate the question? Vice Mayor Shipley, I'm so I'm so sorry. Uh, yes. Um, so I, I did recall uh, in going through my, my stack of CIPs that there was a far off project that was a North Lawrence. Um, I think maybe it was a shelter project in one of the North Lawrence parks. Um, so I wondered if that if uh, sidewalk improvements might be on the horizon in a parks and rec project rather than um, through MSO. I just wanted to check with you since you were there. I apologize for calling you out. Derek Rogers, Director of uh, Parks and Rec. I wanna say uh, Lions Park, I believe, and it depends on which side, whether it be the uh, north or south side of the street, we'll have to take a look at that. Um, and I'll get back to the commission with that. How's that? Mayor Finkeldye, Porter, we can hear you typing there if you could mute that. Um, okay, we'll go ahead and let the applicant speak, then we'll do public comment, then we'll bring it back for questions and more discussion. Paul or Joy, I don't know who's taking the lead here. Uh, Paul Warner, Paul Warner Architects, I'll get to go first, I guess. Um, we are pleased to get this in front of you. This has been an awesome conversation. I think the last, I don't know, half hour has proved um, maybe why we're here and some of the frustration um, on maybe everybody's end, but um, uh, right or wrong, we, we think we got to get a better plan of attack on, on how to deal with these. Um, I hope everybody had a chance to review the planning commission uh, videos. Um, we think one of the best things that came out of the Planning Commission, both meetings, um, is that one size does not fit all. And I feel that's how we're, we're trying to interpret it today. Um, although, as pointed out in, in several of David's comments, have proved over the last years, um, and even in the last um, several months, um, it's all over the place and um, it's neat to say we're supposed to have sidewalks on both street on both sides of the street but the reality is that's not what is getting done and there is no plan for a lot of this stuff um, i think kyle did a good job catching everybody up um, but again i did hope i do hope you watch the planning commission meetings um, clearly the commissioners wanted another option um, they felt that so much that uh, that second night they initiated a text amendment to get something on the books to get this fixed so that there's, um, and maybe it's a more subjective or objective uh, way to get to these agreements, but um, they don't do that very often. I'm not sure I've ever seen them do that before. So we're, uh, we're pleased they did that. Um, obviously that won't help us for, for several months. Um, we said at the planning commission and we've said it to the city engineer and we're saying it now the property owner wants to sign an agreement not to protest the benefit district um, we're not trying to get out of the sidewalks we're not trying to commit that sidewalks will never be built he wants to sign an agreement um, not to protest the benefit district and so the entire system can be designed for the entire street um, we've never been asked to get off the hook for installing the sidewalks. In fact, our original proposal, which I hope you saw, I would still argue is probably the best answer. Let's build two good sidewalks to go directly north across the street and get you to the park. 
Um, granted, the park doesn't have sidewalks, at least not everywhere, but it does have paths and it's flatter and it's more conducive to walking on at least ground um, versus our site. Um, it's already been mentioned and I'm sure you guys have noticed that again, the city park does not have sidewalks. Um, that probably added to the point of us um, thinking about bringing this for um, in front of everybody. I hope that it also did not go unnoticed that the 11 semi brand new houses, I think we came up with them being about four or five years old on the north side of Lincoln to the northeast, were all supposed to have sidewalks and they have none. Um, it seems to me sidewalks, you mentioned the residential sidewalks in front of those houses, walking to the park and getting to the intersection of 7th and Lincoln would do so much more um, positively than the 400 feet of sidewalk we're gonna get in front of three metal building contractor shops. Um, we also don't see adjoining sidewalks being con connected to this lot in any time in the near future. The building to the east has been there for a long time. It's fairly established business. I don't see it being reconfigured. Um, and to the west, there's a house. So I'm not sure if you all are aware or not, but houses do not require site plans or plats. Site plans, minor subdivisions, and plats are what generates the discussion we're having today. So if we didn't have to do the minor sub, and if we didn't have to site plan this project, we wouldn't be here. The problem with that is if there is no plan to do any other improvements and there's a house to the west, that house, there's nothing that is going to happen that is gonna make that homeowner install a sidewalk. I walk almost every lunch I can. My office is downtown, that's where I'm at now. So when you walk around East Lawrence and you go buy brand new 300, 400 and $500,000 houses and the sidewalk, you can't walk on it. I, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand it. That is the time, especially with a home or a single family home, that's the time to improve the sidewalk. Again, one size does not fit all. In fact, if we had submitted this eight or nine months earlier, we wouldn't even be here because the last few plats we have done in North Lawrence, we just signed an agreement not to protest. It didn't even come up. One of them on Walnut Street was actually connected to a sidewalk. It would have, if they had required a sidewalk, it would have extended the sidewalk 175 feet and actually connected to one. But they, the owner and the buyer did not have to do that. Um, if you did, I want to give Karen Willie credit if you got to watch the, uh, the commission meeting. Um, she has a great quote that there is a reason that the lots that are undeveloped in this town are still undeveloped. It's because they're difficult lots and they need the city needs to work with us. Um, we keep trying to say we want infill and this is a prime example of how hard it is. Um, we even just heard that on one of the biggest projects to pay Queens Road that all the agreements got out of it because it was a big enough project that they wanted other things to happen. It's the small infill sites that are just brutally difficult um, this site has 
is all in the floodplain. It's, there's a lack of a stormwater system. We have to fill the entire site. We have two sanitary sewers on the west side. It's a shallow depth lot. It already has drainage problems that we've heard from the neighbor to the south. We have had to grade this entire property so it drains to the north. The best way and why it is all over North Lawrence is the open ditches hold more water and they let the water infiltrate into the soil. There are very few storm sewers in all of North Lawrence and that's the reason why the ditches hold more water. It simply does not make sense to install this section of sidewalk at this time. In fact, I did um, read the pedestrian plan. It's an awesome document I was just made aware of. Um, I think it's 119 pages, so some awesome maps and stuff. So going through that, the priorities are arterials, collectors, and safe paths to school, none of which is on this lot. David is right, the safe pass to school, but it starts on the block over where there already are sidewalks. Again, we have a house to the west of us, another piece of property that unless somebody has a plan to put in a sidewalk, there will not be a sidewalk on those properties. In the last month, Joy from my office, as well as the planning director, Jeff Craig, had pleaded with the city engineer to allow us to put an agreement not to protest. We feel that that was actually what the planning commission also wanted, which is why they deferred the item the first time, hoping that that would be accomplished. And then ultimately, as I mentioned, they initiated a text amendment so that they will have the authority to do that the next time. I wanna reiterate, we're not trying to get out of the sidewalk forever. We just think it should be done later. Please allow the property owner to sign an agreement not to protest the benefit district and let them get started on this infill project. Um, a couple other comments just to make from um, earlier things. I'm really surprised that Teddy Boyle didn't track me down. And I'm really curious what he thought the variance was about. Because we, we all know Ted's number one item is drainage. And I think if I had told him that the whole idea is going to cause us to make the ditches smaller, run several hundred feet of pipe, um, to install a couple hundred feet or a few hundred feet of sidewalk to nowhere, I, I think he might have another opinion. So it's usually how you ask the question or um, what answer you give. But, um, you know, again, I think it's all over the place. I think the agreement not to protest actually would get more sidewalks built. Um, the perfect time is to go in with the street, which I understand that. Um, but we have had um, by West Lawrence entrance, by the Hallmark plant, there's actually, uh, we got an agreement not to protest a sidewalk of over 700 feet that would did not have to go installed. So I think it would behoove us all to, to get a better plan and to figure it out. But this doesn't seem to be the right place to build the sidewalk without a better plan on how to connect it to other places. My point about the, the study and not having the plan and not being an arterial is that we feel when the money comes, as David mentioned, you're infilling sidewalks with gaps on other areas that are in the plan and are already identified. So this is going to be way down the list. Um, again, the owner wants to sign the agreement. We think um, that he, he, we feel he can do that. 
um, we need your help and we think that's the right plan of attack. So I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Mayor Fingal, I have questions for the applicant? Yeah, this is Commissioner Larson, Lisa Larson. And um, Paul, you had said something about there being a, uh, uh, a do not protest was put on a sidewalk that was 700 feet long. Did I hear that correct? You did. Um, by the by the hallmark where the Comfort Inn, uh, McDonald Drive, it's, uh, 674 feet or something that um, the owners were allowed to sign an agreement not to protest. Um, Commissioner Larson, thank you. Could we have staff weigh in on that to discuss why that was allowed on that project? Uh, this is Dave Cronin, city engineer. I'd I'd have to do a little bit of research to look at that. I don't recall that off the top of my head. But what, uh, Paul, that was along McDonald Drive. Well, and I was going to add, if I if I may, I, David, I think that was before your time. For my time. Okay. Well, I've been around for a while. It seems like <laughs> 10 years. So, um, yeah, there's, I, I'm sure. Things Mr. Larson, are, excuse me. Who's, who's, who just spoke? Who was that? This is Joy Ray with Paul Warner Architects. <clears throat> I worked on the project for the Homer sidewalk. And, um, the Joy, reason, we, we can't hear you very well, though. Do you? Okay. Try again, maybe. I am going to adjust my speakers. Hold on just a second. Hey, Joy's working on that, Paul Warner Architects, since we brought it up, and I, did, I was not aware of that section on McDonald Drive. We worked on the west side, but I'm sure you've all been by the school district's um, new office building. It looks great. And what is not there? Um, sidewalks on either side of the street. I think they spent millions of dollars um, I get to drive by it every day. And, you know, the Doubletree just renovated the entire hotel. And what's not there are sidewalks. Um, so we can say we play by these rules or whatever the rules are supposed to be. But, man, it's fallen through the cracks somewhere. And my three little metal buildings just doesn't seem to be the right guy to hang this on. So, Joy, do you have something to add as well? I don't know if you guys can hear me better or not. No. Okay, I'll just leave it. <laughs> Mayor Fickley, thank you. Other questions for the applicant? Commissioner Larson, well, um, I guess I had more for staff. Maybe I should wait for my question to ask that question to staff. Mayor Fickley, yeah, let's go ahead and have, if you have questions for the applicant now, then we'll take public comment, then we'll come back to staff questions. Questions for the applicant. Mayor Fingley, Paul, could you talk a little bit more about the, what you mentioned briefly, and I saw some of this before, so you don't have to go on too long, but the idea about what you'd have to do to put that um, sidewalk in as opposed to the open ditch. So we need, um, we would have a smaller ditch because we'd have to, we're going to raise the grade um, 
so more fill in order to allow a pipe to be installed to carry the water from the east to the west, where right now we can leave the fill, a few feet of fill out and make that open ditch wider so it holds more water. So we gotta narrow up the ditch, install a few hundred feet of pipe, get the pipe around um, in order for the sidewalk. Now to the point, we have it designed so that that can be done, but we don't have to do it all today. So the engineers are sure um, we're not, we're not, my point is we're not going to get somewhere five years down the road and all of a sudden we want to put a sidewalk in and then the engineer said, oh, we can't do it because you guys didn't build your parking lot correctly. Um, it is designed that it can be put in later without destroying a lot of stuff, but it is, it, it does not work as well. And we all know it. That's why there's ditches all over North Florence. I hope that answers, Brad. Perfect. Well, thank you. Other questions for the applicant? If not, this is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, first, is there anyone present at City Hall who would like to speak on this item? No, Mayor. Mayor Finkelai, then if anyone on Zoom would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature. We'll turn on your video and Sherry will call upon you. There's no public comment on this item. Mayor Finkeldye, okay, we'll bring it back to the commission. And Commissioner Larson, I think you had some questions for staff, so we can go ahead and start there. Yeah, Commissioner Larson, I did want to follow up on that um, housing development on the north side, east of the park there. Can somebody tell me why there wasn't sidewalks put in there? Kyle Kobe with planning. I think I can provide a little bit of background on that. Um, I know when we were preparing, um, we're doing a little bit of research on the background associated with this. Um, I took a look at those plats and uh, the documentation associated with them. Um, the sidewalks are shown there. There, um, it, uh, To my knowledge, there were no agreements to pro agreements not to protest. Um, the intent was for sidewalks to be installed. They just um, were not. I don't know. I, I wasn't around. I, I was not um, associated with those projects, but I know that the intent was that sidewalks be installed, um, but they did not get included during the um, public improvement phase. Um, and yeah, I don't know if Dave has uncovered more than that in the time between um, since we first discovered that, but I think it really just amounts to they were intended to be installed and they were not. Mr. Larson, how do you miss sidewalks on a site plan? Kyle Kobe with planning, they are shown on the plat themselves. I don't have, I, I, like I said, I was not a part of that project. I don't know how they were reviewed or at what time different things happened. I, I don't know if there was a specific complication of some kind. I, all I know is that the intent was not to not provide sidewalks and there was no agreement not to protest in that case. Services, just to kind of add to Kyle's comment there, We've actually been working to improve those processes because there's instances have occurred in the past 
So as part of the planning requirement is plaque cannot be recorded until public improvement plans are submitted and approved. And that was one of those parts where we tried to tighten up the code to make sure that those instances didn't occur to try to prevent them in the future. So it, it is an unfortunate oversight that did occur, but we're trying to work and prevent them going forward. Thank you. Vice Mayor Shipley, um, Jeff, sorry, since you're there. Uh, so you're, you're talking about things that are public improvements that are part of a project. I appreciate you calling sidewalks a public improvement. Um, what are other things that are included in that uh, that are um, uh, that uh, staff is looking for to make sure that are completed besides sidewalks? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. It will vary from site to site and project to project, but typically uh, sidewalks, curb and gutter, streets, um, if there's any uh, subgrade infrastructure, stormwater, sewer, uh, those kind of things, and, and any other kind of those utilities. It's really, it's the improvements that occur in the right of way or in the public space that allow the development to connect to the, the greater infrastructure system. Mayor Finkley, other questions, comments, discussion? Vice Mayor Shibley, I have lots of grandstanding to do about sidewalks, but I do want to ask Randy a question, uh, sort of, or engage him a little bit. Um, uh, Randy, I had asked you one time about a completely not, not related to this at all, an intersection that probably needed another light. And I asked, as a lay person who doesn't understand how these benefits work and how um, you know, uh, I'll do something in the future if it becomes necessary. And I asked, well, if this place, like if there's a crash every day at this intersection, then obviously if there's still a benefit district there, can we, um, can we use that benefit district to put in a new light? Um, that was my example. So uh, I, my recollection was you saying how difficult it is to go back um, and um, engage uh, all the people in that area and that can you talk to me um, just practically about what happens when just not 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 related to other things that are happening just just an, an imaginary um, sidewalk area neighborhood 15 minute neighborhood anything you could name what how hard would it be for us to go back and engage them in um, uh, providing those services 10 years later this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney, and I'm having difficulty with connection. Can you hear me? I've been told not to put my video on so that I can be heard. Okay, I will uh, talk without being seen, I guess. Yes, I, it can be very difficult as the Queens Road litigation has, has established, even though we had certain uh, agreements not to protest because we, you know, you have to go through and, 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 and locate the owners who are going to be benefited, who then we have to determine the costs of the project. Then we assess the cost project to those property owners based upon the benefit that will accrue to them. And then at the same time, if a certain number of people protest, then that could shut down the project. We can also be sued over it and that can slow down the project. So benefit districts are not the easiest thing in the world to do. We've done a number of them to establish certain infrastructure throughout the city. 
Um, and other times we've avoided doing them for that, that reason, but they're not the easiest thing in the world. If that answers your question, if that's what you were looking for, and I think that's what we had discussed earlier, but we do them and they can be done. Mayor Fingledye, Randy, um, I guess before I ask this question, this is the second week in a row that this code has uh, let me down that, you know, that the code doesn't let us do what we want to do or what we think should be done. And quick nudge to Jeff Crick, hopefully we get the RFP out soon on the new development code so we can fix some of these problems going forward. But as I read the report, our option tonight is to either grant or deny the variance. And, that, and that's that's what we have tonight. Um, if we deny... That's, that, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I apologize. Go ahead. Well, first, answer that question. Make sure I'm right on that. Always good. Yes, right. the issue before you is an appeal from the denial of an application for variance. So the variance is before you. Yes. Mayor Fingledye, so if we um, grant the variance, then this sidewalk would never have to be built, correct? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. If a variance is granted, that will run with the land and that will always, they will be precluded from having to participate in any benefit district that would ever occur or anything of that nature. Now, that would not preclude the city from actually building sidewalk there, but the property owner would, would have basically a pass. They would have a variance from putting a sidewalk on the property. Mayor Fickledy, in this agreement not to protest, um, if we granted the variance, we couldn't, the city engineer couldn't go back tomorrow after we granted the variance and say, now I want a, 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 an, an, a, not to protest? Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney, theoretically, and I, that could be done in the future as construction goes forward. It could happen at the site plan stage. It could happen at another time, but it does not give the developer any project. So yes, it can be done at a future date. It might very well be done in the future date, but that does not give the developer or the owner any security, which is the Mayor nature Fink of the application for a variance. Mayor Finkel, I guess my question was, if we grant the variance, does the city, you know, we grant the variance tonight, does the city have any ability to require that at some other stage? No, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. No, once the variance is granted, they would have basically an excuse for not building a sidewalk, regardless of what we did in the future. Could the applicant voluntarily do that after we granted the variance? Theoretically, they could perhaps enter into an agreement and perhaps that might be a situation, but I have, why, why do that if you have a pass? But it could be done, yes. Vice Mayor Shipley, I feel like I understood you a second ago saying, let's say it was identified uh, in a year to be a safe route to school. Could the city put a sidewalk there in the right of way? Um, that's our right, right? Absolutely, yes. 
city could put a sidewalk there at, at city's cost if a variance was granted. If even if a variance was not granted, the city could put a sidewalk there at its cost. Mayor Finkel, I, um, Paul, you raised your hand as I asked the question about the protest. Um, does the petition not to protest or the agreement not to protest, does the applicant have a position on that? As I stated, um, the owner of the property is willing to sign an agreement not to protest for a benefit district at a future date. And if you grant the variance, he would sign that as soon as we would get the documents done. Mayor Fingledye, thank you for that. Other questions, comments, discussion? Um, I don't know how you're going to do this, Mayor. Do you want to go through the criteria and and have us say yes or no to the three items, or are we just going to give our opinion and how we're going to vote? What are your thoughts here? Mayor Fickle, I do think we need to talk about the criteria because um, we may or may not have to do findings of fact, as Randy said at the beginning. So I do think we need to talk about the three criteria um, as part of that discussion. So if you Mayor. want to, yes. Hey, Commissioner Larson, I just I just wanted to uh, make sure I understood or at least asked about this option, even though I think I might know the answer. I'm not for sure. So the variance tonight is, I mean, the options tonight, what I've read is that it's either um, deny or don't deny it. Um, is there at all any room to potentially send this back to the engineer to have him reconsider and look at some of those projects that was brought up tonight regarding the length of sidewalk that was allowed to sign an, an agreement not to protest. Is there is that option alive at all? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Um, within this appeal, no, but within the discretion and the authority of the City Commission, yes. So that, oh, and then not being heard. Um, Randy, we did hear you, but you might repeat that one more time. I think all right, all right. Within the, within the confines of this appeal, no. The decision is either grant or deny the variance. But within the authority of the city commission, outside of this appeal, they could perhaps have a decision regarding the agreement not to protest within your discretion and have something for the city manager perhaps to pass on to the city engineer perhaps that perhaps may be within your discretion yes this mayor, is mr bully i made a motion recently where i used perhaps and i regret it <laughs> <laughs> yes mayor finkel i Randy, would that procedurally be, for example, a deferral of this item and then a separate motion on some direction? Is that how you would see that? You have the authority to defer this if you want to. I mean, you also can just make a decision on the variance up or down and still outside of the confines of the appeal have, have direction for staff. This is Commissioner Bowley. Um, I guess I'd like to just say that my experience with agreements not to protest has been more extended and more unhappy than I would like to uh, to report. I really don't think that they're um, tenable 
for for much of what we're trying to do. Um, you know, I think there is significance in making a decision one way or the other. Vice Mayor Shibley, I, I, I think I agree with uh, Commissioner Boley only in as much as the applicant needs to carry on with their business. And I, I believe they've waited a little while. Um, so, um, well, I, I may not agree with the reasons, I, I certainly uh, agree that a prompt decision is called for. Mayor Vigilai, with that, Vice Mayor, would you like to start the discussion on the three items on the... On the uh uh, Vice Mayor, maybe, um, uh, sorry, maybe Kyle can pull them up for us just so we can look at them. Kyle, could we with planning? Give me just a second while I get that back up for you. Thanks, Kyle. Vice Mayor Shipley. Um, so, Mayor, I, one thing that happened that was very interesting at the uh, second planning commission meeting, one planning commissioner pointed out that a hardship is what we decided is. There's no particular um, definition of that. So, certainly, maybe a lot of us would think a hardship is primarily comes from something which is financial. In this case, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an argument. Um, that's not what makes this a hardship. What makes this a hardship um, is that everyone around this particular project, including the city, has been allowed not to adhere to the rules. So to arbitrarily ask this particular um, person, uh, builder, what have you, to suddenly adhere to the rules is an unnecessary hardship. Mayor, what do you think about my throwing that out? What do you think? Mayor Fingalai, I am not sure I agree with that hardship. Um, my hardship, what I was, what I think makes this unique is the North Lawrence um, drainage issues and creating a smaller um, ditch and a less, you know, conveyance of, of of water. I think, you know, when we talk about putting sidewalks in, um, and you compare putting this sidewalk into other sidewalks, even a sidewalk across the street, um, given the ditch, given the layout, um, and given the the issues of water, that to me makes this different than a sidewalk in other locations. And that would be the hardship I would cite. Kyle Covey with planning, I don't mean to interrupt, um, but on my, there's a later slide that I can move to. I, I didn't want to do it without prompting everybody. I have the definite there, a necessary hardship is defined in the subdivision regulations. And I have that on a later slide, if that would be helpful. Um, but I did want to just, suddenly start moving around on you guys and be like, what's going on? Mayor Fingal, I think that would be helpful if you have that.
Kyle Kobe with planning. Um, the definition that you see in front of you is it was taken out of the subdivision regulations in the terminology section. Mayor, Vice Mayor Shipley, um, this actually just bolsters my suggestion. Um, the environment is that evidently nearly no one around this uh, project is adhering to the rules. So it's arbitrary for us to ask this one applicant to adhere to the rules. Mayor Finkel, I, I, I do think that language of arbitrary and capricious interference with the basic right to property does bolster your argument, Vice Mayor. I do agree with that. Uh, Vice Mayor Shipley, I want to be clear. I'm sure you all know. I believe that sidewalks are incredibly important and that they are absolutely necessary for us to make a sustainable city uh, that relies less on uh, cars. But it needs to be done in a smart and um, directed way. And I don't, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think this particular policy of building sidewalks on both sides of the street is always um, imperative. Um, there's plenty of sidewalks to nowhere. Um, and that is also something that stands in the way of sustainability, not just in building, uh, but in replacement of sidewalks that are unnecessary and will eventually need to be replaced. So while the question um, is not how we feel about our sidewalk policies, the way they have been applied or not applied evenly, I think is at issue here. Mayor Finkel, do other commissioners have thoughts on the hardship factor? Sorry, Mayor. Go ahead, Commissioner. I was just trying to finish my last sentence, which I couldn't think of the word. So factor is all I meant to say. Go ahead, Commissioner Ananda. Um, this is Commissioner Ananda. I do agree when you're looking at this definition and looking at the property and in its environment. Um, I agree with the Vice Mayor. I um, am, am loath to say that um, because there are no sidewalks there, there should continue to be no more sidewalks there, particularly because, you know, that's my neighborhood. Um, and there is a dearth of sidewalks in North Lawrence and um, having three kids, that's real frustrating and real unsafe. Um, but I do think that just as on the north side of that park, there is, I think, two houses with sidewalks in front of them and um, no others. Uh, that doesn't make it any safer. So um, I, I agree with the vice mayor on this one. Commissioner Lars, can we take down that slide, please, so we can see? I can't see what folks are. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I am. Um, Looking at this, I actually agree with the mayor about the drainage situation. I'm very worried about it in North Lawrence. Um, that's a huge issue there, and and um, the problems with keep, keeping, you know, working the ditches. That actually they uh, worked really hard to make the ditches ditches work for for drainage, um, and it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And and I uh, uh, agree with what some of the stuff I heard at the planning commission that um, you know this is a project or this is a situation. These are situations where one size does not fit all. 
Um, North Lawrence is a whole different beast by itself. Uh, you know, it's one of our original site um, plans or, or town sites, I guess you would call it. Uh, and so I, I do think that there's um, uh, cause to look at this a little bit differently. Um, and then I, you know, I also, you know, the idea that we don't have a plan there for sidewalks. We don't have a comprehensive plan. So we're just going to, you know, put sidewalks um, whenever, you know, the code, I guess, uh, is, is outlined in the code. Um, so, I, you know, I think to me, the hardship is the drainage issues. And I actually agree with the vice mayor on the other aspect of it, too. I think there's some merit in that as to the hardship of it. Um, uh, and, you know, and I can't lie. It's not, a, I mean, I'm, I can't um, not say that this idea that this not to protest um, situation, uh, there's question as to how it's being applied. I'm very concerned about that. Is it being applied evenly across the city, um, given the couple of situations that were brought up? Um, and I, I realize that's out of the purview on this, but I think it, it, it does concern me very much as to, to how that's um, being applied. Um, and so I'm, you know, I think there is a hardship here. Um, um, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to, to um, follow that. But at the same time, I don't like the fact that it's an ex we got extremes we have to decide on here. If we just decide to grant the variance, then the building of that sidewalk falls on the city um, financially. Um, and there's an, and, uh, for all intent purposes. So I'm concerned about that, too. So, Mr. Commissioner Bowley, I'm going to summon my inner Ted Boyle for you. And um, just say residents in North Lawrence shouldn't have to choose between good drainage and pedestrian safety. That's just not right. Mayor Finkelbaum, you did sound like Ted Boyle there. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's talk about number two, uh, Vice Mayor, that we'll let you lead again. Is the proposed variance in harmony with the intended purpose of these regulations? Uh, Vice Mayor Shipley, so that's an interesting question. Um, I don't, it doesn't really matter, but I'm interested in when the two sides of the street have to have sidewalks policy went into place, just out of curiosity. Somebody wants to email it, it's not going to affect my decision. Um, but as some of the planning commissioners pointed out, um, certainly the walkability and accessibility, um, ADA accessibility, um, is is certainly uh, prioritized in in our transportation plan and in our plan 2040. Um, that being said, we're in a transition period uh, where, um, as uh, Jeff Crick pointed out, we know we need to revisit some of our um, uh, building codes. And as often as this one comes up. Um, and many of us that watch planning know how often it comes up. Um, it, it's clear that it's an issue. Um, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how to create a placeholder other than, you know, what has been used in the past, this uh, agreement not to protest, which is kind of a placeholder for when we do finally um, create a uh, a sidewalk policy that is flexible enough uh, or more flexible than this one is to not create sideway, sidewalks to nowhere. Um, 
that's not a great answer, Mayor, but that's where my head is. Mayor Finkel, any other thoughts on this particular provision? Um, yeah, I, well, Commissioner Larson, I just wanted to go back to Commissioner Boldy's comment about, um, um, I'll just, just about his comment, I, should, I need to be careful. Um, we, the situation in North Lawrence, I think, uh, the fact that the topography is the way it is, and as well as the geology is the way it is, that's what's where the drainage situation um, the struggles. It's because of those two things. You're not going to change that. That's just a fact. Um, and so, so I think that uh, development of these areas like this have to take into account those types of um, situations. Um, and, and, and so the fact that, yeah, you're right, I agree with you, you shouldn't have to give up safety, you know, for, for drainage, but uh, at the same time, there's two very overriding factors that, are, that occur out there that we can't change. Um, so... I'm sorry, Commissioner Ananda, do you have something? Were you going to move on, Vice Mayor? I was not. I was going to make one more statement. Do you got something? Please go ahead and then I will. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the only other thing I guess I would say here is that, you know, again, the city has, the city itself has the, the land um, right across from this and has a de facto agreement um, to, um, put sidewalks in pretty much whenever it feels like it. So does that comport with our plan 2040? Does that comport with our new strategic plan? Does that comport with our transportation plan? Um, uh, I, I hate to resort to whataboutism because um, that's clearly a little bit of that in this situation, uh, but we also have to ha uh, hold ourselves to the highest possible accountability. It's because it's our rule. So, um, you know, if we had put a sidewalk there or if we put a sidewalk there, then the, um, the emergence of this would not have uh, been that big a deal because it would have already been compliant. It would have been near um, uh, safe routes to school. It, it, it would already be addressed. Um, so we wouldn't necessarily have needed a sidewalk on both sides of the street had the city... Um, complied with its own rules. Mayor Finkel, I'd only add that also, if we would have ensured that the sidewalks in front of those other houses actually got built. Commissioner Ananda, did you have something? This is Commissioner Ananda. I think that my, my comments are more geared toward the third item. I don't know that um, the intended purpose of these regulations is clear to me in the context of this. So I don't know if someone wants to. Um, Mayor Finkel, I, I had a kind of similar question I was going to ask Randy, which is when we say these regulations, do we mean the entire development code? This is Randy Larkin, uh, Deputy City Attorney. These regulations refer to the subdivision regulations the extent that you believe that's in compliance with subdivision regulations or not in compliance, that's what we're looking at. And Jeff can help you perhaps. 
fuss with that a little bit better than I can, but that's what we're meaning. So that's the that's the meaning of the, that phrase. This is Commissioner Notice. So just to clarify, in harmony with the intended purpose means in compliance with. Theoretically, yes, but you know, it's you have to apply your own definitions of those words. They have common meaning. So, if you believe it's in harmony with the intended purpose, doesn't necessarily mean in compliance with it. Could you could very say yes, that's in harmony with it. That meets everything that we're trying to do here, or it's not contrary to what we're trying to do with the subdivision regulations. So, it's 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 to your own discretion there. This is Commissioner Nada, thank you, because I would say in compliance to this wouldn't require a variance. Right. So, if, you know, it doesn't meet the, it's not in compliance, but it's not contrary to, then that would be kind of a way of defining it, perhaps. It's very ephemeral. <laughs> <laughs> it is very ephemeral. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, we've been conversing uh, staff in the in the back in the back uh, light of everything going on, and just wanted to say that um, uh, we have two projects, CIP projects coming up. One 2022 is the splash pad in Lions Park, and the second one that you asked about, Court uh, Commissioner Shipley, was the shelter in 2024, and We will continue to review as staff, but the development of those activities may require um, the plan and site planning necessary that may require a sidewalk along the, uh, the north side of the 7th Street. So uh, more to follow, but let us discuss it when we have a little more time to get together and put our heads in the right spot. Mayor Fingal, I other thoughts on that particular one? The, th the third one would be the public health, safety, and welfare will be protected. And Commissioner Nanda, I think you said you had a thought on that. This is Commissioner Nanda. Um, I said earlier, you know, having a half sidewalk on a block doesn't necessarily make it safer. It makes moments on that sidewalk safer, um, but those also tend to be disregarded sidewalks and so are frequently in disrepair. Um, but I don't know that I can say that granting a variance on this in particular protects public health, safety, and welfare. Commissioner Larson, I had a question for you, Commissioner Ronda. So um, does putting in the sidewalk protect public health and safety and welfare for just that short area? Or no, I guess it's not short. This is Commissioner Ananda. Um, I think that depends on how useful it is. If it begins in the middle of a big grassy field that's rarely mowed um, and ends in a big grassy field that's rarely mowed versus begins and ends in a driveway, right? Um, that would impact whether or not it actually gets used.
Mayor Finkel, I, I think it also depends on how you define protected in this case, meaning do you, will it, if you use protected in the senses, will this variance make it worse? You know, if, will the public health, safety and welfare be status quo, meaning being protected as a status quo, um, will granting this variance um, change the public health, safety, welfare, um, you know, to the extent there's not one there now, and to the extent that it, you know, is not changing the status quo, um, if I define protected as not changing anything, then I would say it does not. Um, I guess I would have to disagree with you on that because the purpose of these is to make improvements and you know to leave an unsafe status quo doesn't protect the welfare and safety. Vice Mayor Shipley, um, Mayor, I don't know, I guess would that depend on your definition of an improvement? If um, you have an asset that the um, landowner pays for, but doesn't increase the value, um, is that an improvement? And if it's a sidewalk that goes nowhere and we've all seen them, this might be one of them, is that an improvement or is it just a change? This is Commissioner Ananda. Has there been any, um, I don't know, case law around um, whether or not net neutral means protected um, if it's not decreasing safety, health, and welfare? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. I am not aware of any case law to that extent. And protected is a word of common usage and however you choose to define it as long as it's reasonable is within your purview so there you go i don't really have direction but i can ask answer questions to the best of my ability going forward vice mayor shipley so mayor in light of the word reasonable which was something that they did talk about a little bit um at planning um, and and certainly have it, you know, other commissions like BZA. Um, I think reasonable even casts this in a different light. Is it reasonable to ask there to be um, this amenity um, provided by one individual? Um, is that reasonable when no one around them is doing it? Contrary to our policy. This is Commissioner, Commissioner Larson. Oh, go ahead, Commissioner Larson. So, is it contrary to our policy that because I, technically I didn't think Lions Park, since there's no redevelopment there, it's not required sidewalk at this time. Is that is that true or not? I don't. Ooh, Vice Mayor Shipley, that's great. That points out uh, something I think someone else said. Um, have we created a situation where people who have a site plan are required to have sidewalks, but no one else is? Uh, we got a lot of inequities in our uh, sidewalk policy generally, but that's just a new one I hadn't noticed yet. Um, if you have uh, two different groups of people who are, uh, some comply and some don't comply, um, is that reasonable? 
Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Vice Mayor, I think if I understand your question correctly, and please let me know if I've, I've misinterpreted here. So sidewalks are typically required as part of either a site plan application or a planning action. That's usually where they, they would run into it. The site planning process of our code has three different levels of site plans. And so to kind of go from the smallest to the top on this one, a minor site plan would require any proposed developments that are that are in the proposal. Like if you're adding a certain amenity to a site, then anything applicable of what you're adding to the site has to come up to code. And for a standard site plan, the same is true. So if you're not proposing to make a parking lot modification, you don't have to bring the whole parking lot up to code. It can stay as it was previously approved. The major site plan application requires that the site fully comes up to all codes and meets all requirements. And that could include sidewalks depending upon the, what the project is and where it's at in the community. So if it's you know, a uh, new new site, a greenfield site would be required to come up and meet the sidewalk codes. If it's a total redevelopment of a site that typically is a major site plan, so it would also be required to, to rise up and meet all the code requirements for sidewalks and, and access points and all those details. That can also be triggered as a form of planning. Planning can require that because it is part of the requirements for a plan to be recorded with the Register of Deeds. It has to show that it meets and qualifies for all public improvements to be provided on site as part of the code. And so a planning action does go through the same line as it. The question again becomes, were the public improvements proposed for the site satisfactory? And if they are, then the, the plan can then be recorded. I, I, say, I hope I've, I answered your, your question on that aspect. Vice Mayor Shipley, maybe. Um, uh, so here's an example. Um, I'm over here in the kind of centennial area right now. Um, generally no sidewalks uh, with a, a few obvious, um, um, I think there are arterials and collectors that have sidewalks over here. If I wanted to, I don't know, augment this place, then to bring it up to code, you would suddenly ask me to have sidewalks where no one else has sidewalks? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. The Land Development Code doesn't require site planning for residential properties for detached buildings and duplexes, but if it was a commercial property and the level of work proposed rose to the level of meeting a, a major site plan, that it would require that to be be shown as a site planning element. If it was for a facade adjustment or other improvements, it only rises to the level of a standard site plan. Only those improvements proposed are required to meet the land development code standards. Vice Mayor So to Commissioner Larson's point earlier with something else, there are actually two separate groups of people and they have two separate rules to live up to. Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. I, I'm not sure I understand that part of it. There are two different processes that the code applies depending upon what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't look at the individuals. It only looks at the projects being proposed as, as part of the application for those code standards. Mayor Fingal, I just, I guess for my edification, at my house in my neighborhood, there's no sidewalks in the neighborhood, but I have enough, you know, originally mine was two lots it's now one lot, but if I decided I wanted to sell the back lot and I wanted to subdivide, would it apply? Would I have to build a sidewalk if I was going to subdivide my larger lot into two residential lots? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. 
Typically, yes. I would assume so. They don't know the, the details and the knowledge about the lots specifically, but when a minor subdivision would be applied and that would be looked at is if the division goes through, does it meet the requirements of the public improvement plans? And if sidewalks are required, then that would need to be shown or go through a variance or an agreement not to protest to, to qualify for recording. This is Commissioner Bullard. I think there are already bidders on that lot, Mayor. <laughs> Yes, I get random letters all the time asking if it's for sale, but um, yeah, Mayor Vingalai, again, I don't like our options here um, that the code gives us. <laughs> I don't know. Vice Mayor Shibley, so um, I'm not, I'm normally not in love with variances, and I, so I think it's interesting that I've I'm, I'm sort of pushing in these directions, but um, I feel in light, especially of our new comprehensive plan and plan 2040 and our transportation plan and knowing um, how hard MPO works to make sure that um, our um, pedestrian and bicycle um, options are connected I would feel that if I voted um, to allow this variance, that if a sidewalk was necessary there, um, one would be provided. Either because the applicant has been very clear that they are um, amenable to doing that in the future when it's necessary, or as I have always posited, sidewalks are critical infrastructure and the city should be paying for them anyway. So either way, uh, in the future, if we need to connect the space and the city does or doesn't uh, put a sidewalk where it should have possibly at the park, um, the pedestrians uh, and bicyclists will be covered. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. Ms. Commissioner Bowley, um Maybe Commissioner Shipley, Vice Mayor Shipley could remind me which programs she wants us to cut or which taxes she wants us to raise to be able to pay for this. Maybe we could remember that our new strategic plan asks for public engagement, which we never had on our sidewalk policies, not just the replacement policy, but even this policy of having two sidewalks on both sides. It also calls for equity, which we've already shown with this, we do not have, uh, demonstrably so. Um, so uh, I appreciate the pushback on what we can and can't pay for, but I have also noticed that in Lawrence, when the taxpayer is asked if they wanna pay for something they think is valuable, like pedestrian and um, side uh, uh, bicycle access or like, libraries, um, they tend to know what they think is valuable and they say yes. Ms. Commissioner Bowley again, I still didn't hear which programs you wanted to cut or which taxes you wanted to raise. I will remind us that the premise is whether we say yes or no to this project and its mm -hmm. variants. This is Commissioner Nunn. I think regardless of um, all of that, 
I still struggle with the fact that a variance shall not be granted unless all of the following apply. And I don't feel satisfied in our dialogue around items two and three. Um, so I'm curious on those issues where other folks stand because I'm certainly open to hearing dialogue around those. Anything like the commission's thoughts on two and three? This Commissioner Bullock, I'm gonna echo uh, Planning Commissioner Carpenter and just say, I don't believe that this meets the criteria for a variance. Um, and uh, I, I regret that the city failed to have the sidewalks put in on the other side of the street when we should have. And I look forward to putting sidewalks in in the park when, when the trigger event comes along. And if it doesn't come along, then we should go ahead and look at our responsibilities there. But I still uh, don't believe this meets the requirements for allowing a variance. Mayor Finkelvai, I'm, I struggle with two and three if it meets the variance, I guess. Um, again, I'm unhappy with the, the options given to us. And I think Commissioner Lawson mentioned before an option of deferring this and asking staff to relook at the, look at how they consider this under the, um, in comparing it to other um, properties in which they have allowed a um, an agreement not to protest because we've heard there's many situations where the city has allowed that and there's situations where they've not. I guess technically speaking, according to Andy, we don't have the right to do that. It's the city engineer that does. But I guess I would start to lean towards deferring this and asking the city um, through the city manager to look at that option again. Ms. Commissioner Bowley, is that a motion? It could be, but I guess I'd like to hear if well, Commissioner Lawson was originally her idea if she still supported that. Ms. Commissioner Lawson, I do support that because um, I'm very uh, well. I, I do. I just want to see how how it, how has it actually been applied in other properties? Because um, Dave had indicated he um, couldn't recall what the largest project he had approved something like that on. Um, I think it's important to know that type of information and how it's been applied to other properties of similar size or larger size. Uh, um, I think that's information to have uh, and whether or not, you know, that could, could you know, lay, way into the decision-making process or if it did even. Vice Mayor Shipley, Randy, um, does the precedent, I mean, in theory, if that we were doing this de novo, does precedent enter in, should precedent enter into our um, decision-making? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. You're not bound by precedent, but you can definitely consider it. Mayor Finkelvai, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I guess I would uh, consider making a motion, see if it, if it works, um, that we defer this item until November 2nd, because this applicant has been waiting a long time for this, and that's our next meeting. Um, defer the matter till November 2nd, and also direct um, city staff to relook at the issue about issuing a agreement not to protest on this particular property. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Fingalai, um, I made a motion, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Um, I vote yes. Commissioner Lawson? Yes. Vice Mayor Shipley? Nay. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Motion passes four to one. Look forward to hopefully having this resolved. If not, we'll see everyone back on November 2nd. See you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, everybody. Mayor Finkel, um, let's go ahead and take a 10 minute break. It's eight o'clock. We'll go till um, 810 and then we'll come back with regular agenda item number two on the climate change. Mayor Finkel, I have 810. We'll bring us back from break. I'll go ahead and take roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley? Here. Commissioner Nanda? Here. Commissioner Lawson? Here. Commissioner Bully? Here. Mayor Finkel, I present as well. We are back from our um, 10 minute break. And we are now ready for regular agenda item number two, which is an update on the climate action plan and looks like Jasmine I know has this one so we look forward to this presentation. Go ahead Jasmine. Thank you Mayor and thank you Commissioners. Uh, I am going to share my screen. Okay, so I'm Jasmine Moore. I'm the Sustainability Director for the City of Lawrence and Douglas County. Today, I am here to talk to you about the Climate Action Plan that we are developing. Um, the city and the county are partnering on this, on this planning effort. So uh, I'll talk about our planning effort and how it's connected to other planning efforts. Uh, I heard you mention a couple of them uh, earlier in the meeting. So the, the call to action was really in late 2019 when Douglas County and the city of Lawrence adopted plan 2040, which you've been talking about tonight. So that comprehensive plan specifically calls for two things that are related to this climate action plan. One, it talks about the need to adopt a climate change adaptation and mitigation plan that incorporates potential climate change scenarios and identifies specific actions to reduce greenhouse gases, risk and exposure to hazards. And then the second uh, statement is that um, the plan calls for us to manage air quality in our community, to limit outdoor air pollution, excessive greenhouse gases and indoor air pollution. Um, I want to note that even though 2019 was the first time that uh, we had a comprehensive plan calling for a climate action plan, we are not starting from scratch in this effort. This plan is intended to build on and connect to our existing plans like 20, Plan 2040, as well as other things like our food system plan, um, our transportation plan, um, our previous pl uh, climate planning efforts like our climate protection plan, um, as well as other 
efforts that are connected to this. Um, Douglas County and the city of Lawrence are really leaders in our region and our state when it comes to climate action. And I want to acknowledge that many people in our community have been working hard on these issues for decades. So um, I want to state that this is again, building on the momentum that has been uh, created in our community. As a result of this legacy and reputation that our community has built, we were invited to join a nine county area in the Kansas City metro area um, in the development of a regional climate action plan for a 10 county region, which includes Douglas County. Um, that regional plan provides really high level guidance for the region to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to adapt to the changing weather conditions that we're experiencing. Um, and we're using that as a base to create a locally specific plan for our community. So our plan will focus on three components which are represented by these icons here. So one is uh, to look at our environmental impact, um, specifically on greenhouse gases and how to reduce them. The second is looking at extreme weather events and improving our ability to cope with or avoid the harmful impacts from our changing weather conditions. And then uh, finally, to build this plan in partnership with community. Community engagement, uh, as I heard mentioned earlier uh, in this meeting, is a core component of our strategic plan uh, with the city of Lawrence and uh, is an important plan, uh, is an, an important part of our climate action plan as well. Um, and this next slide talks about our equity framework and how we're using equity to guide our um, decision-making and strategy for this climate action plan, because we know that the consequences of climate change um, are gonna impact everyone, every single one of us on uh, viewing and participating in this meeting today. But we also know that frontline communities will be hit first and worst and their ability to adapt to and recover from these uh, conditions are, uh, are limited. And we saw this, uh, and we're still seeing this, with the impacts of COVID. Um, COVID, the virus itself doesn't discriminate, but we know that the conditions that uh, people are existing in uh, have um, affect their ability to um, um, really uh, adapt to the conditions of COVID. Some people are more susceptible because of pre-existing conditions. Um, this map on the right here is a map that was done for that 10 county area that I mentioned before. And it is looking at our socioeconomic stress index. So this map will look very familiar to those of you who have been involved in health conversations. Um, as we think about the social determinants of health and all the different factors that go into the health of our community. Um, you'll often see that uh, the socioeconomic stress of our communities are also the same areas that are experiencing our health inequities. Uh, so these are the same conditions that make uh, climate uh, a risk for these communities as well. There was a recent uh, environmental protection um, uh, agency report that came out last month that analyzed specific risks for those with low income, people of color, those without a high school diploma, and those 65 and older across the country. Um, but we have some locally specific data for our region that looks at those four populations 
And it's clear that uh, there's risk factors at, involved with, uh, with those populations. And I can get into more specific details as people are interested. Um, so that is important for us to keep in mind as we go into this process and how can we center those communities in the engagement efforts and keep those communities front of mind as we're making decisions about um, investments related to climate and where we spend our energy. So uh, I'm going to talk through our the more about the Regional Climate Action Plan, uh, some data around our climate risks and vulnerabilities, as well as our greenhouse gas emissions, and then I'll talk through our locally uh, specific plan uh, and timeline, and then we'll get into our engagement efforts. So as I mentioned, we were invited to participate in this 10 county regional action plan. Um, this plan uh, was created uh, and adopted earlier this year in March. We are using all the data that they uh, pulled together for this plan as a baseline for our planning efforts. So that really helped us to uh, kickstart our work. Um, and uh, it includes a greenhouse gas inventory. It includes the risks and vulnerabilities data. And for anyone that's interested in reading more of that planning about that planning effort, the website is here, kcmetroclimateplan.org. Uh, so part of that work that was done was a vulnerability assessment for our community. And uh, we know that, you know, from flooding to drought to tornadoes, ice storms, extreme heat, our um, region and our community has a long history of confronting natural hazards and understanding how climate might supercharge uh, those same risks and vulnerabilities is really key to achieving better health and resilience and sustainability. And so this is uh, one of the pieces that's important for us to ground ourselves in as we go into this. And this is a simplified matrix to uh, lay out what those risks are, how likely it is that we will experience these different weather conditions, and how severe the consequence will be. So this matrix has a few different events in it. Uh, I want to concentrate on the upper right-hand corner, which is the darkest red, and it includes the three um, uh, extreme weather conditions that are most um, uh, that we are most vulnerable to. So that includes flooding, extreme flooding events, extreme drought, and extreme heat. Now, of those three. The ones that we, the one that we are most concerned about is extreme flooding. We're already starting to see extreme flooding. So if you just think in the last three years um, and of the different rain events, and I'm, I'm sure that with the rain that we had last week, there are people in our community that extreme that experienced some of that flooding and the damage that comes from that. Um, so. I want to challenge us to think about these extreme weather events, not just as it happens one night and then we're fine the next night and it's like the inconvenience of of that weather event in in that one incident uh, these have long lasting effects in our community and um, the more you are experiencing that socioeconomic stress the longer the impacts are so this next slide i want to walk through a few headlines that are pulled just from the last six months some fr directly from our area, some a little farther out, but I want you to think about uh, 
how these extreme weather events have these lingering impacts um, on people in our communities. So I'm going to scroll through these. I'm not going to read them. I'll let you read them on your own. Um, and so here we go. So as you can see, these extreme weather conditions uh, have effects on our community um, that include our mental health, that include our ability to um, participate in the economy. It has an impact on our ability to connect our students with learning. Uh, and these are not limited, these effects are not limited to just the events that we're experiencing in our community. Um, as you saw, there's uh, an article about how the wildfires that are happening hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away still have an impact on the air quality of our community and the health of our community. Um, if you think about some of those flooding events, um, when if you have ever had your house flood or a basement flood, you know that it's not just you're not fine the next day um, that has long lasting effects. You think about the possibilities of mold. And if you already have a pre-existing condition of asthma or other respiratory disease, that makes it even worse. So I am, I'm hopeful that um, this helps to demonstrate that um, moving, this isn't about moving climate up on our priority list. The reason that we care about this is because it already affects everything else that's on the top of our priority list. It affects our families, it affects our health, it affects the economy in our communities. And so um, that uh, is why developing this climate action plan is so important right now, um, because all the issues that we are concerned about as a community are also impacted by climate. So now that we have a picture of the effects of climate, um, what, what can we do about it? One of the ways that we can participate in um, a response in climate action is to reduce emissions. So this is the, the well, first of all, I should say the, the latest international report on climate says that if we take drastic actions now to reduce emissions, we can start to turn things around in a matter of decades. So this, you know, this is not doom and gloom. We don't have a chance. This is, we can take action now and our children and the generations that come after us will see the direct impacts. Uh, and hopefully as we make really responsible choices, they will see the benefits of the choices that we make. This is a profile of the whole Kansas City metro region. Our local profile looks very similar to this. Um, this is a representation of greenhouse gases in our region. 
and a breakdown of what that looks like. Uh, so as you can see, there's a large section that includes the energy sector. This is mostly related to how we heat and cool our buildings. So this is uh, the electricity that we use, the natural gas that we use. Um, and then you'll see 34% represents the transportation sector. This is our road transportation. This isn't aviation. This is our road transportation that represents that 34%. And the, you know, almost half of that uh, is represented by single occupancy vehicles. The, those are people driving by themselves in a vehicle represents about half of that transportation sector. Waste sector is about 3%. And then there's a tiny little slice that represents everything else. So as we think about the opportunities to reduce our uh, contribution to greenhouse gas emissions, energy and transportation are our biggest opportunities. And this next slide looks at how, um, how that really plays out. This was an analysis done at the regional level of how to reduce our emissions all the way down to zero. Um, the combination of looking at energy and transportation and waste will get us to 83% reduction. Um, the most opportunity is on building energy efficiency. So it's not you know, switching everything to solar and wind, it's how can we tighten up the buildings that we already have. Next comes energy generation. So that's looking at renewable sources. After that is transportation. And then waste represents a, a small slice of that. Even if we do all of that, we're still not gonna get to zero. And so we also need to look at how we can uh, absorb carbon, what's our sequestration plan to draw down those emissions in our community. So the regional action plan developed nine action areas and each of these action areas has strategies and um, act, uh, plans associated with them. Um, these nine areas, like I said, are high level regional strategies, uh, they do not, um, get down to the nitty gritty of um, what our community should do. And so that's where our planning process will do that next step of taking it to what do some of these look like for the city of Lawrence and for Douglas County. Some of the strategies in there uh, are more appropriate for a larger city, like the size of Kansas City, Missouri, or they might be more appropriate for um, a different type of um, community that has different types of industry. Uh, and that's why we're going to be having conversations with our community to talk about what makes sense for Lawrence and Douglas County. Um, I highlighted these first three, collaboration and leadership, innovation and finance, and community resilience, because these three are necessary. These are requirements in order to make progress on any of these other strategies. Uh, if we don't have leadership uh, and collaboration at the highest levels of the institutions in our community, we cannot make significant progress on, on any of these other areas. Um, if we are not thinking creatively about how we are making budget decisions based on uh, our climate strategy, then we're not gonna make progress on these others. If we don't have um, uh, an eye towards community resilience and connection with each other as community, again, we cannot, what's the point if, if we're not connected with our community um, and making progress in these other areas? 
So um, again, these are the areas that were identified by the regional plan. We're gonna use this information to help shape our local plan, but there's gonna be areas that uh, don't apply and that we need to customize to our community. So in thinking about our timeline, uh, this is how it's laid out. So earlier this spring, we had that regional plan. We have the data that we need. We are now entering into the fall 2021, going into early winter 2022 of public engagement and community conversations. And then we're gonna use all that information to digest and reflect and prioritize that feedback to shape the policy priorities and strategies for a climate action plan for Lawrence and Douglas County. And the goal is to bring this back to you uh, for adoption in spring of 2022 so that it can be used for uh, budget decisions for the 2023 budget for both the city and the county, and we can start to mobilize and implement that plan. I want to add that this is a plan that is intended to engage the public in a way that people can see themselves in this plan. This is not just telling the city of Lawrence and telling the um, Douglas County government what government should be doing. There's room here to, to say and see um, our businesses involved in this plan um, so that they can see themselves in here and see a path forward for individuals, for nonprofits to see themselves in this. Um, a lot of what we're um, planning for our engagement is modeled after our food system plan, uh, which was adopted about five years ago. And that successful engagement process resulted in a plan that the community has embraced and has moved forward even independent of the city and the county action. And that's what the goal for this plan is as well. So moving into the next section, um, I wanna highlight our community engagement values. We are prioritizing our populations most affected by climate change. We are attempting to meet communities where they are, and we are uh, committed to building solutions together. One of the reasons why I'm in front of you today instead of last year at this time related to this plan is because our strategy to engage our community equitably um, really came to a halt as the pandemic was starting. Uh, as, the, as things were shutting down, our um, initial plan for engagement that was all about in-person and physically going to meet people um, all of a sudden could not happen at all. And so uh, we were at a point last year where we had to make a choice about, do we try to pivot quickly and try to move this all online? Um, or do we take a moment and consider how we can do an equitable engagement strategy in a pandemic? Um, we took the time to have that conversation internally and we did not think it was a responsible choice to move forward with an engagement process in the midst of a, a pandemic where the populations most affected by climate change were also experiencing COVID. Uh, um, the, the pandemic affected those same populations in really intense ways. And so um, we made the choice to pause, uh, take the time to um, adjust our engagement strategy and um, we feel confident that we have a plan to move forward that takes into account 
um, how to continue to meet communities where they are in the context of the pandemic um, where we are right now. So the, this, this is our three-pronged strategy. Um, one is that we are working with um, two community organizations to house community coordinators. We are working with the Sunrise Project uh, and the Climate and Energy Project, which are both lo a local and a statewide organization. Um, those community partners are have already hired 10 people from our frontline communities that are impacted by climate the most and are working with those community coordinators to do some training initially uh, so that those community coordinators can go out into the community, their communities, to have conversations with their neighbors, their family, their coworkers, their friends about climate and how climate affects their everyday lives. Um, those are paid positions. We are using uh, about 70% of our budget for this engagement effort because we felt like this was the most important thing that we could do with that with those funds is to go um, compensate people for their time um, because these are the same people that are gonna have a hard time coming to a community meeting, um, waiting to give public comment at a, a city commission meeting. Uh, and so the community coordinators are truly going out into the community um, in a safe way and talking with folks from their community. The second part of our strategy is a community survey. And uh, our first community survey is live right now. And that is intended for everyone in Douglas County, in Lawrence, anybody who cares about the future of our community to participate in an online survey. Our first survey is about 12 questions long. And then we're also collecting demographic information so that we can see who's participating and who might be missing from the conversation. Um, we will have a few other surveys as follow-up. Um, right now, it's really entry, easy entry point with that those 12 questions to really get um, you know, how the connection, uh, people's connections to climate. And uh, some of the questions um, will make you think in a way that they're not straightforward. You may not think that it's related to climate, um, but we're hoping that by this time next year, you'll see the, see the connection for sure. And then finally, we are asking for community volunteers to be climate ambassadors. Um, we are, uh, we believe that um, having deliberate uh, conversations at a small scale can be really powerful. So uh, those meaningful conversations with people's family around the dinner table, or you're waiting at the bus stop and you want to, you know, have a chat with a friend at the bus stop, or uh, it could be a classroom. Um, the people that you already have connections with are the people that we want folks to have conversations with. We have outlined a variety, um, a menu of ways where climate ambassadors can start these conversations with uh, their community members. It can look like a book club. Um, it can look like a, we have these conversation cards that we're gonna be putting out later this week where it's just a question that you start um, and it could take five minutes or you could even do a group text to, to see what folks are uh, reactions are. Um, 
it could be a Zoom call. Uh, it could be uh, one of their projects is our photo voice project where you encourage a group of a small group of people to take pictures about a particular topic. Um, and then, you know, that could be very specific about how does how do you think climate change is going to show up in our neighborhood? Or it could be uh, something as simple as like, what's your favorite place in, in the community? How might that change? if we have extreme heat conditions or if we have extreme flooding conditions. Um, so the climate ambassadors, we know uh, some people will have a lot of time to dedicate to this. Some people have a very little amount of time. And so we have activities that will take five minutes and we have activities that'll take 45 minutes. Um, and so when people sign up to be ambassadors, we'll connect them with the resources they need to start those activities in our community. And then we're looking for feedback about how did those conversations go? What did you talk about? What were some of the challenges that came up? And though that's the type of feedback that will go straight into our, you know, our repository and influence the development of our climate action plan. So um, we are, you know, rolling into our engagement efforts now and anticipate that that will, you know, take us through the end of this year and early next year. Um, but want to say that we don't have to wait until this plan is adopted before we take action. Um, there's things that this body has already committed to in terms of climate action. Um, there are things that each of us can do uh, related to climate action. And so I want to express that, you know, we are creating a plan uh, it's going to include some short-term things we can do as well as some longer-term things we can do. But in the meantime, there's still things that we can do right now. Um, and every single person can take action. Uh, one of the things that um, I often get asked is, what's the one thing that we all should be doing related to climate? And the answer is not simple um, because there's not just one thing. Um, well, some would say the one thing is to talk about it, which this process is engaged to encourage more conversations about it, because if we're not talking about it, then we're not thinking about it and it's easy to uh, neglect it and not consider it when we're making decisions. Um, but the other thing that everyone should do is make a personal climate action plan. And that's what this Venn diagram is designed to do. So within these three circles, you have think about what brings you joy, what bring, what wakes you up in the morning, um, then identify what are you good at? What are your special skills and talents? And then consider what's the work that needs to be done related to climate and justice solutions. Whatever's in the middle is where you should spend your time. If I say that everybody should um, turn off all your lights every day when you leave the house, it's, Yes, you should do that. Um, but if that is not a practical solution for you, you're not going to do it. And then are you going to feel like you can do anything else? Um, if there's if there's one solution that I that I put out there and it's not an easy solution for you, then some people are just going to check out. So this is a way to really develop a customized plan so that you can participate in a meaningful way, in a sustainable way. Because if if you pick something that um, I heard a story the other day about there was someone that wanted to 
tell everyone about climate change and what they could do. And they started meeting with, uh, wanted, trying to get in and talk with different churches. And they were having a lot of trouble and they couldn't figure out why. And it turns out like they're an atheist. And so, you know, of course, this was not going to be an easy conversation for them. And so that was not going to be a sustain, you know, going on a circuit to talk to churches about climate and the importance of climate when you don't share values with that same organization is going to be very difficult and will lead to burnout really quickly. So think about what you have energy around, what brings you joy and what are you good at? Because those are the things that you're going to continue to do um, as it relates to climate. And we need everyone to, to do that. So um, this whole conversation is about the future uh, of our community. Uh, and so it's important to ground myself uh, as I do this work every day in the future. And so these are my two boys. Uh, and so they are, you know, why I spend all my energy on this, because um, like I said earlier, the, the decisions that we're making today they are going to see the impacts of, they're going to see the ripple effects. And so um, I am encouraged uh, because we have the opportunity to um, really make some transformative change. And I think that Lawrence and Douglas County are in a prime position to continue to be leaders in this space and really develop um, a really ambitious plan. So, um, I, the project website is here on this last page. Um, you can get there by just going to lawrenceks.org slash climate. And there's all the information about our climate action plan. And we'll be adding to that as we uh, develop more content. And like I said, our climate ambassador program, um, people can sign up for that now. And we're gonna be rolling out more, um, more content for that in the next, you know, hopefully by the end of this week. So with that, I will end and see if there's any questions. Mayor Fingalai, thank you, Jasmine. Um, great presentation, very exciting. And, uh, you know, certainly Douglas, Lawrence and Douglas County have a um, desire to move forward in this, but we're very lucky to have you helping lead, lead us through this. So I'm very appreciative of you and the work you've done so far and the work you will do. Questions for Jasmine? No questions. We'll think about the oh, Commissioner Lawson. There we go. I couldn't get my uh, mute button off. Sorry about that. I don't know if I have a question as much as, um, first of all, Jasmine, thanks for this presentation. It was great. I like the idea of the community coordinators and the um, climate ambassadors. I think that's really good to pull the community in to kind of help send this message out. I think it's great. Um, I did want to kind of um, give you a little bit of my experience that I've been, as I've been going out and knocking on doors this fall, talking with folks, and as well as just when people approach me about issues on climate change, they have a tendency to ask me about that. Um, and then I, you know, explain to them what the ordinance we passed regarding the 100% renewable by um, 2035. And one thing that I, it seems like gets lost in, in this, um, they understand that the, what they believe is the government's role, our role essentially to, to address the climate um, action, but they seem to be um, not hearing the part about what their role is and what, what, they, what they can be doing um, um, to, you know, help our situation because that 2035 goal of ours, um, if, in order for it to be successful, our entire community 
has to be switched over to renewable energy. Our entire community does. That's my understanding of that to be 100%. And I know the cities, uh, I, I think uh, last I checked, we're at about 98% where we're getting our electricity from a renewable source. Um, but the general public doesn't seem to realize that they can actually switch over now to renewable energy through their Evergy um, website. They can actually switch to that. So I would really like to uh, make sure that that, that little piece, because I think it's a, that is what I would consider an easy solution that we could potentially, a goal we can attain, and, that, and make sure the public understands that we can't meet our 2035 goal unless they participate in it. May play a big role, and uh, and so I would I would love to see a, a some sort of a separate um, public service announcement campaign just on that issue, to, uh, so folks will understand how they can be part of that solution, and they have to be part of that solution in order for us to meet that goal. Thanks, Commissioner Larson. Um, this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Um, absolutely, there are some things that that people can do, and even if you're renting, uh, this this is an option for you. Which I know is, you know, we have half of our population is renters, and so they may not even consider that they could um, get access to renewable energy. Um, fortunately, we have a utility that that offers that as an option. So. Uh, you can subscribe to a solar subscription or uh, in some cases a wind subscription um, and you don't have to do anything uh, to your where you live. Uh, that's just a, a, a button that you click with Evergy and um, then you're you're in to, to those renewable um, electricity sourcing. Commissioner Larson, I might add that, you know, when I switched over, I was wasn't sure about the cost of it, but my bill is about $2.25 a month more just for that piece of it. And that's it. Um, so uh, for me anyway, it's not a huge expense. And I I, I, I don't want to say that it's not a huge expense for others, but uh, it just seems to me that, that that's an investment that I think our community members, I would hope, would be willing to make um, in helping us um, address locally what we can do. Mayor Finglai, other questions before I open it to just public comment? This is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, um, if you're at City Hall, let Sherry know. There's no one in City Hall who wishes to comment on this item. Mayor Finkel, I thank you. If you are on Zoom and would like to make comment, um, as a couple of people have, raise your hand using the raise your hand feature or turn your video on and Sherry will call upon you. Jeremy Roth Kushel. Thank you. Um, do, do I need to uh, start video in order to make comment or no? You do not. Okay, thank you. I am currently cooking some refried beans here, uh, and I uh, very much appreciate this conversation. I would like for these kinds of conversations to be planned for a little bit, maybe earlier in the evening, in order to maybe engage more people potentially. But I think this is a good start. 
I am concerned in terms of the sponsorship. As I saw, this is the Mid-America uh, Regional Council. Um, in a similar way to my comments from last week, where I am concerned about the um, potential rise of a robotic uh, surveillance police state, I very much want to enable uh, our municipality to have the tools of uh, robots and video. And so just like I support our sustainability uh, committee in Lawrence, I'm very concerned about the sponsorship by the Mid, uh, the Mid America Regional Council, which is also the sponsor, the manager of the, the Department of Homeland Security Fusion Center. This is a police state organization at some level. And so while we can begin to discuss these ideas, and I think we should, we're going to have to separate this out from the police state because it alienates communities of color. It alienates Jewish American patriots of conscience like myself um, who are against the uh, U.S. and Israeli war on terror that is the origins of this Mid-America Regional Council's Department of Homeland Security Fusion Center. What I want to add very quickly is that we can sequester tons of carbon in our soil. Our soil, we have some of the top-ranked soils in the world, and they're, they're very much under-carbonized. We can uh, figure out a way to uh, empower our, our farmers to sequester carbon, but it's going to take, mean taking on big agriculture and the loot and pillage economy. We're going to need Mayor Finkelstein, you froze up there, I think. Are you back? Jeremy, I don't know if you're still there. I think he dropped off, Mayor. Oh, okay. I am still here. Did you not oh. hear my comment at the end or no? No, we, you stopped when you said you're talking about big agriculture and then you froze up. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'll just finish that and then I'll we'll, uh, pass it over that we're going to need to take on bigger agriculture and the loot and pillage, uh, pillaging of our ancestral lands. And we're going to need to have a political renaissance and an agricultural renaissance and an economic renaissance. And although this is a beginning of a conversation, the scope of this and the vision of this is not going to get us where we need to go in the time that need, we need to get there. But I very much appreciate the opening of the dialogue and I very much appreciate our public uh, servants. Thank you. Maddie Bell. Hi. Um, I, yeah, I'm definitely in support of climate action. Um, and I'm really into the uh, outreach to our communities and um, the community coordinators and those being paid positions. Um, I have, uh, I, I am worried that it's not big enough or um, fast enough just because like, the climate crisis is looming. Even the city's 100% um, renewable energy goal of 2035 is too late. Uh, the point of no return is 2030. Um, also regarding uh, getting your energy from a solar or wind source through Evergy, if it's only $2, $2 and change, um, you know, like it would be great if there were some sort of subsidy for uh, low-income uh, Lawrence residents to pay for that. Um, for folks who that for whom that is a large amount of money, um, I know that like two dollars multiplied by X number of residents can get pretty big. But 
um, if, you know, that could be an investment the city makes. Um, and yeah, I just want to make sure that our climate uh, action is taking place with justice, justice and equity at the forefront, um, which, uh, you know, Jeremy brought up as well. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you, Jasmine, and your and the people you're working with for all this work. Um, and I would love to see the city employ more people to do this work. Thanks. That's all the public comment, Mayor. Thank you, Sherry. I'll bring it back to the commission for any final comments or questions. This is Commissioner Ananda. I had one question for Jasmine on the, um, not the climate ambassadors, but the other folks who were hired through Sunrise. I can't remember what their titles were. Coordinators. Coordinators, thank you. Um, when you were talking about, you know, who those populations are, who are inequitably impacted first and worst by these, are those um, hires reflective of those populations or have you kind of created contingencies for making sure that even if they aren't reflective of those populations, they are engaging with them effectively? Yes, absolutely. So this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. That was a part of the recruitment and hiring strategy uh, was talking specific and identifying specifically what those communities are. So that was a part of the decision making as those hires were made. Um, the recruitment for these positions um, were done in a way that was um, targeted specifically at uh, at frontline communities um, and we intentionally made it so that it was a very easy accessible uh, process um, and so the 10 folks that uh, are employed through this through this initiative um, represent those uh, those those communities that are impacted most um, so we have some folks, well, we have youth. So we have a couple of high schoolers that are community coordinators. Um, we have women who are disproportionately impacted by climate. Um, we have uh, folks who have low income. Um, we have folks that are over 65. Uh, we have folks that have low um, educational attainment. So those four categories that I mentioned before um, are part of uh, and represent our community coordinators in addition to the um, the complex identities that they all hold. So um, so yeah, I'm really excited about uh, who's a part of that community coordinator group and just hearing some of the conversations that they've had so far. Um, we're going to get some really deep um, deep engagement and really meaningful storytelling that happens as a part of that process. That's awesome. Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks, Mayor Shipley. Um, I uh, am always glad that someone mentions, um, uh, speak specifically about our geographical circumstance. Um, so flooding, as you mentioned, um, I think often, um, especially maybe people who haven't lived here very long, don't realize uh, how um, uh, that has uh, changed even since I was a kid. And as you mentioned, in the last five years, um, and um, you know, even even this evening, we were talking about 
sidewalks, but we didn't actually mention that that particular project is being built in a floodplain and we're still allowing people to build in the floodplain. So um, I'm not all the way, you know, I'm really grateful that you're here, but I also know how huge your job is and that I, I need to hear from you so much, um, not just um, about, um, you know, carbon emissions, but also like how we need to build more sustainably and uh, think differently about our land use and think differently about um, our uh, road construction and think differently about our neighborhoods that will be better for long-term, um, you know, quality of life uh, for the people who live here. Um, so I'm just so grateful uh, to see uh, that mentioned. And um, I know that you have to interact with all of the very minute details of all of the um, departments here and um, that things like that that maybe people don't um, realize that that's those are decisions that are made every day and I'm just so glad that you're here to help us um, navigate that so thank you. This is Jasmine Moore sustainability director. Um, I will say I appreciate that and uh, this is the reason why it will be very helpful to have an additional staff person, uh, which was funded in this last um, for the 2022 budget, because uh, there's so much work to be done. And as you mentioned, Vice Mayor, you know, ideally these conversations are happening in every department at every level, and that is very difficult for one person to do. And so we're we're committed to that culture shift and um, so that it becomes the work of everyone, but that takes time and energy and resources. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that um, by bringing another person on board um, will help increase the capacity for that. And I also wanna say that the team that we have right now working on this um, in the sustainability office is small but mighty and I just want to express appreciation for the work that they do because uh, we have uh, Kim Kreiner Ritchie, who's our food system analyst. Um, we have um, Connie, who's our intern, who's doing amazing work. And we have Jamie, who's grant funded uh, and working on food reduction. Uh, she's our food reduction specialist and is working, uh, putting a few hours into the climate as well. So we're a small but mighty team um, that's that's uh, looking to expand soon. So this is also a plug for anyone who's looking for a job. We'll be posting soon, hopefully, um, because this is really important work and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, expanding the capacity in the city of Lawrence. Mayor Finglai, any other comments? Again, I just echo what's been said and thank you, Jasmine. We look forward to the continued work and moving forward with this plan. Thank you very much for being here. Okay, that takes us um, out of the regular agenda to commission items. Are there any commission items? Seeing none, that takes us to the city manager's report. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening. 
Um, just a couple of items that are on the city manager's report. I'll say one is the utility billing, um, the utility report. And I would just draw your attention to, you know, we do, we, we have had a, a policy to, um, to uh, take special exception for some of our collections and some of the um, balances are significant. Um, and so um, that's something we've continued to, moder mod uh, to monitor and that it'll be something that we need to continue to keep an eye on just to the budgetary impacts. I think there's some relief programs um, coming, but just wanna draw your attention to that. Um, other than that, um, I'd like to, call out Sherry Riedemann who uh, received her um, cert certified municipal clerk. And that's 120 hours of uh, work and training. And uh, there's only a handful of uh, people in the country that attain that. And um, there's a lot to being a clerk that is overlooked and not well understood. And it's one of the, um, one of the oldest professions that we have in our city uh, ranks. And so um, I just like to point out Sherry's uh, hard work in this and uh, express our appreciation and recognize her. Mayor Finkelbeck, congratulations, Sherry, and thank you for all you do, especially keeping us in line, which is, <laughs> you have lots of responsibilities, but that's the one I focus on most of the time. But um, no, you have many responsibilities and appreciate all you do. Um, any comments from commissioners on the same manager's report? There's a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on the city manager's report, those three items, um, you can let Sherry know if you're present at City Hall or you can raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and Sherry will call upon you. Mayor, there's no public comment on this item. Mayor Finkelai, I thought it might be fun if you know, Sherry had to call on someone to say something about Sherry, but uh, guess that didn't happen, but uh, Again, thank you, Sherry, for um, and congratulations on that. That takes to the calendar items. Anything on the calendar? Seeing none, that takes us um, to our executive session. I look for a motion on our second executive session of the day. Commissioner Bowley. Um, I move that we recess into executive session for approximately 40 minutes to discuss a personnel matter involving a city employee, employee pursuant to the non-elected personnel matter exception, KSA 75-4319B1. The justification of the executive session is to protect employee privacy. City commission meeting will resume in its virtual format in accordance with resolution number 7388 at the conclusion of the executive session. Commissioner Nanda, I'll second. Mayor Finkeldye, there's a motion by Commissioner Bully, a second by Commissioner Nanda. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Mayor Finkeldye, aye. We will return at 943. Finkeldye, it is 9.43. We are back and have nothing to report, but I'll go ahead and take roll call before I guess I say that. Vice Mayor Shipley? Hi, here. <laughs> here. 
Um, Commissioner Lawson? Here. Commissioner Bully? Here. Mayor Finkel and I here. We are all back and we have nothing to report. So I look for a motion to adjourn. Commissioner Nada, I move we adjourn. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Fingledye, there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bull? Aye. Mayor Fingledye? Aye. Uh, passes five to zero. See you in two weeks. <laughs>